Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Iron Cannon Podcast, your home on the Servers Under Real Podcast Network for in-depth discussion on the lore, the higher public, and the whole canon of the galaxy far, far away. My name is Matthew, and I am coming to you, as always, from Underworld North Studio here in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. As always, I'm joined across the continent by your friend and mine, Mr. Joel Davis, and or- or- Underworld Orange County. Let's keep calling it that. Underworld Orange County. How are you doing this week, Joel? I'm doing good, and I just realized I did not post the video in the Discord for everyone okay. to see, so I'm going to do that while you talk. Sounds good. <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah, this week, uh, yeah, we're coming about, uh, what am I doing? What am I thinking about? I, I had a weekend. I had. I went to a Valentine's Day party <coughs> on Saturday, and I'm still paying for it. Because <laughs> this, I mean, this coming Wednesday, it's just another Wednesday for, for Joel and I. Joel and me, but single, uh, single, and sad. You know, you know, we're we're, we're not salty about it at all. <laughs> no, <laughs> just kidding. Uh, but for lots of characters in uh, Star Wars, that, you know, if they lived in this galaxy, they would have had been celebrating with their uh, sig- their significant other, their special someone or someones. I don't, and we can talk about that. Uh, so this week, yeah, Joel and I, two single dudes, talking about ships and shipping. It's it's a it's a lively topic. And it's a timely topic. It's going to be a big contrast next week's topic. I'll tell you what that's all about after. <laughs> That'd be great. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Wednesday, I should say this Wednesday is also Ash Wednesday. Uh, um, I'm looking forward to that. I, it was always an important day in the in here in Western church land uh, where I live. But um, yeah, it's also Valentine's Day. And so we're going to tonight, we're going to talk all about uh, shipping, etc. First, let's do some plugs. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Threads at Ion Cannon Pod, E Y E O N C A N O N P O D. And I think, I don't know if it's still in our Insta stories, probably not. Um, I did posted some, a bit, a bit of things about the party I was at on Saturday. Go, ch- showed the Off World Bar, really great place owned by Stormcrow Manor here in town. Um, yeah, they got a Rancor, they got a Rancor head. And they, they got this drink. That was that's where uh Paul Sunning Lee's party was in October. By the way. Cool. This guy. This is where we got this is where we got this this thing because you're just giving it away. Then uh why not? So anyway, great, great spot, uh awful bar. Also, uh I just wanna just while it's on my mind, I'm gonna say it. Toronto Comic Con is in a month, just over a month from now. Uh really looking forward to to that. Gonna hopefully fingers crossed about some panels. Um Otherwise, yeah, you, they've usually been pretty decent about letting uh, Dom and me in with uh, press pass, so that'll be that'll be fine. That'll be good. Um, it is the smaller version of Fed Expo Canada, but definitely always, always some these days lately a lot better Star Wars content, especially since uh, they get the people on the Fan Expo circuit, and so mm-hmm. that'll be good. Uh, Claudia Gray. Is, is announced to come there and that's that's gonna be a first i think i don't think i've ever seen her at, in in a toronto con so that'll be fun um anyway back to plugs uh yeah here on the star wars underworld youtube channel we got memberships and super chats so mm. comment away uh support away support the channel as best you can um you know and, and maybe any any and all comments we do our best to get to if it especially if it flows with what we're talking about um but you know, if you do a super chat, that'll bump you up, as as Dom and, and Chris and them say, to the top of the pecking order in terms of questions. So, feel free to support us. Please do support us. Uh, Joel mentioned the Discord, the Discord server, the Star Wars Underworld Discord. Uh, that lively conversation that uh, that yeah, I'm in. I mean, Joel's definitely in. Ben is. Ben, you and Ben are keeping the lights on, keeping things going. 
commenting lots. Um, so check the link down below. There's a little minty fresh link, and yeah, you're in. click on it. You're in. Introduce yourself. Say hi. Tag Joel, and he will answer you while on stream. No, I won't answer you on stream. <laughs> oh, I don't true. know. I'm a pretty good multitasker. You wouldn't yeah. be surprised. What I can all do. right, maybe, maybe challenge challenge <laughs> issued. <laughs> <laughs> the first person to to go down there into the Discord and tag Joe on tag Joe while we're on stream and see if he responds and see what happens. Ask him a question. <laughs> uh, there we go. He's, he's pretty good with that. I'm pretty good with that too, but Joel is better. I hardly <laughs> admit that anything speaking of discord, anything events happening wise coming up uh, this Friday, we are having our game night. We will be playing overwatch two for the first time on the discord. So uh, be on the lookout for that. And hopefully we'll be sorry once again restarting the Grand Star Wars Marathon. We're still at Young Jai Adventures, so yeah. yay excitement! Um, who knows? Maybe by May May third we will get to Phantom Menace eventually after some Tales of the Jedi. We still have to go through Young Jai Adventures, Young Jai Adventures Season Two, Tales of the Jedi episodes, and then Phantom Menace. Yeah, we uh, have to wait then. <laughs> That'll be more than doable, I think. So I don't know. I mean, we go pretty slow with these with the rounds. So to be fair, yeah, to be fair. <laughs> it's only February. It's only February, so you never know. Ah, uh, so yeah, check that out. It was a fun time. I should make it out to one of those one of these days. But Joel, Joel and Ben are always there uh, hanging out. So Ben Hart, the Star Wars guy, and, and Joel Davis, the uh, the Discord guy. There we go. <laughs> Joel Davis, the sequelist. That's all. Yes. I don't know. Got to got to have a good uh, good name for you, nickname for you there. Um, there we go. Fun times. Uh, one last thing. Wednesdays are also for comics. Uh, comics are for this Wednesday, Dash Wednesday, uh, and comics. Uh, Chris Abbott and I, we are we are doing our comics again. It's a normal Wednesday for me. Um, it's not a normal Wednesday for him. Fair, fair enough. Good, good on him. But he is. Uh, yeah, we we are doing the doing the usual comics reviews. Got Mace Windu from last week. Um, uh, Darth Vader number 43 and High Republic Adventures number 43, including a cover by Edmonton's own Sherry L. Uh, variant cover there. So check that out right here on the Star Wars Underworld YouTube channel at 9 p.m. Eastern, uh, 6 p.m. Pacific. And uh, of course, everywhere you can get podcasts this past week. This was the big deal. Uh, Chris and I had Ethan Sachs on. He, of course, fresh off his Bounty Hunters run. Long 40, uh, 43 issue run, I believe. 42 issues, I forget, can't count. Um, but yeah, so yeah, really, really great discussion. I uh, gave some really great answers just about storytelling and character and um, how he brought Byler Valance to where he comes to in the end of the story. And and uh, I asked him a lot about Tonga too because I connected with her. And um, yeah, really getting great into you. Mentioned a lot about uh, Django. So I have a bit of a face bomb moment. Well, uh oh no that guy right there so i had this thing right behind me this is this dom's thing he has a signed by somebody i forget it might be tim morrison can't tell i forget um anyway uh and i had there i never referred to it <laughs> the entire, entire interview anyway he did mention uh talking about his upcoming Django fett comic that's gonna be exciting for now for issue run here's hoping it gets a lot more it's a prequel comic and it's Chris's favorite character from the prequels. So match made in heaven for the tractor beam. And yeah, he gives a bit of, I, I think it might be a bit of a scoop about how it's going to be set before the Phantom Menace. It's going to be set a young Django trying to make a reputation for himself. Probably I'm speculating here just having, I mean, 
having the uh the the time when he gets picked by palpatine and and dooku to become the clone template that's not going to come up in this comic i'm sure but that's kind of in view to him building the reputation that becomes gets him noticed to become that and so I, I i that's my sense but at this point in the in the run yeah it's going to be a young Django trying to make his mark in a wider galaxy just a humble man trying to make his way in the universe uh and yes that's gonna be exciting so yeah it was again great conversation check that out right here on the uh on the underworld youtube channel as well as i did end up putting it up on the ion canon spotify and apple podcast feeds so uh if you if you prefer audio i haven't done the tractor beam episodes on audio much but uh, i do that every iron canon episode on audio but uh yeah check out check out that one i made an exception i i'm gonna start doing that for tractor beam soon uh just gotta I have a few things in place before i get to that but yeah we, that will be happening soon so yeah tractor beam this coming wednesday 9 p.m eastern 6 p.m pacific uh here and everywhere here there and everywhere uh so yeah ch- see you then but yeah for now we got a whole iron cannon podcast to do. <laughs> that's, that's the plugs there's the plugs out of the way um got a week in star wars it's been a week in star wars we got a bunch of news to get through but first you got some thoughts yeah, I've got thoughts because I always got thoughts. Don't I never not got thoughts? You always got thoughts. John. I always got thoughts. That's very poetic. That's why we're here. <laughs> yeah. So I've I've been thinking a lot about kind of um, artistic intent and projection, headcanons, and when headcanons and projection become canon. Um, so, okay. So let me try. Let me try to visualize this. I don't know why, but I'm having a little bit of a brain fart right now. Um, I'm the one now getting sleepy. How <laughs> um, is the best of us? How is the best of us? I know, I know. Okay. So, I mean, I, th- I think I'll use the greatest example. I think let's use let's use the prequel Jedi sort of the weird example here. Yeah. All right. So, um, you know, my my argument that George Lucas never intended for the prequel Jedi to be flawed, and that mm-hmm. all of that is just people's projection of the Jedi Order, especially a lot of old younger. Not younger, but yeah. like one generation below the prequel generation, but one generation below George's above. No, Gen Xers. Um, yeah, those guys. Very, very much. <laughs> don't want to. Don't, don't want to put old, all Gen Xers, but Gen Xers and older millennials, um, projecting a lot of their own views about religious institutions and all that stuff, and why they don't like the prequel era Jedi, why they feel like they're so stale. Um, mm-hmm. onto that, and like, oh, it's it's because George made them flawed, and that's why. But obviously, that's not the point. However, because eventually other people are going to start writing Star Wars, that projection of the Jedi starts to become that seep into the storytelling of these other people. Mm-hmm. You know, we have the whole that's kind of how Dave views the Jedi as like they're the flawed, fallen Jedi. The whole we've now sort of retextualized the prequel as the fall of the Jedi era. Um, so, what we're seeing is uh, people's projections start to become, and head cannons in some way, now become canon because mm-hmm. these people are now writing the Star Wars. And so it kind of begs the question of, well, okay, that's fine. I don't think it's not not fine to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. But at what point is like, does original intent even start to matter as we get further and further away from, especially if people are adding this projection on to now... They're taking their own personal text and making it text. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's kind of that's kind of my thought. It's a bit rambly. I wish I kind of had more 
thought in my head. I should have written this down. Okay. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's that's sort of my my thought in sort of a meta canonical mm -hmm. sense today. I mean, yes. we've talked about this a few times, and you know, and I've I've had to go back and forth. I mean, my whole or old podcast, you know, for Christ's sake, Anakin, right? It was reflecting on this theme <coughs> and saying, actually, yeah, that a lot of projection, a lot of, you know, I, the like the well, you know, the medium is the message, the content is the audience. We always bring into what we what we bring into something. We we get out of a story, a text, what we put into it um and there's always room for interpretation in these things it's true george he he made these films and the you know the intentional point of view the, the story we're given is that the jedi are flawed but well-meaning and let that those intentions do end up leading to difficult choices but right choices at least the best they can in the moment with what they know and that the point is what they know keeps on shrinking and shrinking and shrinking by the real villain of the whole saga and AKA Darth Sidious, AKA Palpatine. Um, you know, so yeah, it, it helps to, to keep that in mind for sure. I think George explored stories that, uh, that lean into that. I mean, the, the whole trilogy, I mean, Obi-Wan, I think as a character, he's gotten some bad, bad rap, but I, I think as a character, he, he emblem, em, was it, uh, exemplifies, exemplifies a character that does his best in an impossible situation. The whole Clone Wars show, I think, really brings that out and shows how, yeah, these characters are the heroes, except for this pivotal moment at the end of season five that has a saga-defining moment. Where, uh, well, actually, this, I mean, this is this is, begs the question, right? Mm -hmm. Does does the Jedi Council kind of take their aim at ahsoka because they're so fallen to the dark side in their own self-interest saying we've got to get with palpatine or has palpatine manipulated and cornered them into such a position where they wish they could do the right thing but they just don't or can't or won't or whatever mm -hmm. um this kind of pat answer that ultimately i mean Anakin sees that, and that's the point. Is what Palpatine's trying going for here? He sees that Anakin sees that, and then uh, says, "Oh yeah, I'm, I'm I'm on my own, and the Jedi have forced me to be abandoned, and so they must be evil. The Jedi have forced me to not have the power to heal Padme, to keep her from dying. So yeah, that it it's definitely. Um, I mean, yeah, the fan projection." based on what you believe about real world religions, right? And I always have to keep in mind, I always have to remember, Joel, you're the one who's <laughs> reminding me not to overcompensate, not to be all, just to look good and say, oh yeah, the Jedi are flawed because I'm pushing against my own wanting, you know, mainline Christianity in North America to look good, <laughs> you know? Um, or, or, you know, put or saying, oh, it, it, it's a bad look to want it to look good and, there's a whole, even with the Super Bowl commercials, there's a whole internal discourse going on there. Um, yeah, it it is interesting. I will say to your to your main point though is uh, that's exciting. The exciting thing about having different storytellers mm -hmm. is that they can tell different angles and different aspects and put up it put up different possibilities. This character did this thing. 
this character did that thing you know um this part of obi-wan's choice uh you know but you know, the, you know this part of obi-wan's choice might have been iffy but he actually ultimately at the end of the day you know, like as red leaders here saying uh the, at the end of the day yeah i mean the what he ends up the way he ends up i mean giving up everything to go and you know i mean we we know up until the the kenobi show he's um the kenobi show he's he's grumpy depressed just like luke will be by the way uh but yeah he he gives up everything and to, to actually safeguard the future and do his best to support the future and so um yeah it it, it is it's true i do think uh again i'd be intrigued to show well and we'll get to this in a, in a, in a minute in a little bit for a second what would a Mace Windu show be like? What would a Mace Windu story be like in this era? Um, we're getting a Mace Windu comic. We got it last week, um, but that's set earlier. I mean, what's Mace Windu kind of in? Uh, yeah, yeah, in, in the era. Uh, what What are his choices? Uh, yeah. So does that Red makes bring up another thing, right? <laughs> I mean, it's what, what do we believe about celibacy? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, what you know—that's another part of this. Do we believe it's repression, or do we believe it's it's availability for service and uh, hospitality? Right. Oh um, yeah, I mean, if you read George's stuff, this is actually one of the interesting things. We won't get into it because we we are day, but there's like mm-hmm. there is that weird kind of push and pull with the no attachment thing. Because George yeah. talks about like he's very pro the no attachment, no marriage rule. Mm-hmm. Although, weirdly enough, it's sort of like, but when you think about the actual movies, attachment is kind of what saves the day. You know, Luke's yeah. Vader's attachment to, to Luke, and, you know, even Kylo's kind of attachment to his, to Leia and Ray's dad. And mm-hmm. the only one that kind of went, that goes sideways is Anakin, because obviously we all know what happened there. Uh, um, but, yeah, yeah, I mean, but if you actually, like, read George's own, you know, views on what the Jedi attachment rule is, like, yeah, they were in the right 100 percent. no marriage no <coughs> i mean no. for that context and that's another thing is for the context. i think it just in general like i think even just in terms of like mm-hmm. what luke's jedi order would have been if george had written it's like yeah. nope taking the jedi when they're babies george okay with that i mean luke, luke, I just the jedi babies and change the diapers reading on ahead <laughs> we're going to talk about a specific form of it atta- the form of attachment this up this episode our main topic and there are some uh former jedi in here <laughs> true you know former jedi, um, current where, jedi and uh yeah the, or- talk about the order jedi. isn't is no more and so yeah um yeah it, so it's 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 a good question it's a good point again i think <laughs> i just think there are multiple things that you can say and there are multiple that's the thing that's the ambiguity Mm-hmm. that i live with in the real world you know there are multiple things to be said about you know the colonial history of the church of england and its presence in north america mm-hmm. there are things to be said today about how uh the episcopal church in the united states and I'm, I'm just i'm saying my own home team my home team the church i go to and sundays you know uh and and the anglican church of canada and LGBTQ inclusion and and where we're, we are on that and where we are on uh, engaging in our communities and things like that and, and and not to say we're necessarily and not to have a triumphalist attitude about that either, but 
yeah, our, you know, it's doing the best we can with what we have. I'll say, you know, as someone in that, you know, in a, I say mainline Christianity, meaning the more kind of historic churches, I do gravitate towards Obi-Wan. Right? I do gravitate towards doing the best we can with what we have based on a real belief in the force willing uh, willing setting things in motion and whatnot. So that's the thing. That's this is this is a good theology time. We're getting to that next week <laughs> for sure. Ooh, um, very but, fun. Yeah, yeah. I'll I'll just say you know uh, to go again. Thank you. Hey, Red. I'm glad you're here. Uh, you know, uh, you know, like yeah, we talk about gyre flawed arguments. Sometimes crosses over sort of trashing monks writ large. It's always been awkward. Uh, yeah. If Star if Star Wars carries bits of Buddhism, the people need to remember they. Have vows of self, and that, yeah, that's that's true. You know, that is that that's sort of the that's sort of the weird thing about it. I think, I mean, I think that's kind of both in the writing and in the fan debate. I, mean, mm. I don't want I don't want to make it too much of a Jedi thing. Although we, this probably will also somewhat go to yeah. our our discussion. Is um, mm -hmm. yeah, I do think some. I think both from a rejection side of things, we kind of view the Jedi with a little too much of a Western view of yeah. the world. So it's like instead of buddhist monks they are catholic priests and then yeah. sometimes the writing kind of comes off with certain authors i'm not gonna say who but i feel like do you think certain authors can view it like yeah. kind of catholic church yoda is the pope <laughs> got the pope mobile got the yoda mobile the big hat yes. um mm -hmm. and you know that can kind of seep in a little bit um my final yeah. point is this i'll say and then we can move on um I like it when Star Wars kind of takes these fan discussions and puts them in the actual text. Like, have characters represent certain points of view, and then mm -hmm. obviously whoever you side with, that's kind of who wins the argument. Yeah. Like Last Jedi, you know? Yeah, that's, the thing about, that's the thing I love about Luke in The Last Jedi oh, is Ryan was like, he saw the, the prequel suck and the Jedi suck debate that came out of that, and he's like... I'm going to give that to Luke. That's Luke's <laughs> point of view. The, the Jedi suck because yeah. I watched the prequel shut her down. And then Ray's like, uh, no, actually, Jedi are actually pretty fine. You know, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm taking these Jedi texts because they have value. and They're going to help me win the day. She the watched end. the original trilogy. <laughs> she watched the original trilogy. Anyone, but I think she even came out of the prequels of like, hey, you know, yeah. they tried their best. Palpatine got them in the end, sadly, but came back strong. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, but yeah, I mean, I'll say I love those scenes so much. Uh, yeah, it's oddly enough that on those films, the the Octo lessons are my favorite. Oh yeah, what's with me and, and folks sitting around talking? It's it's a thing. It's so good it's, stuff. It's, it's what we do on the internet here. Um, <laughs> there we go. All right. Uh, I don't have a week in Star Wars because my week in Star Wars is all the the news that I'm just stoked about. So we'll get to that in a little bit. Uh, we. We have a bit of time here. Um, Bad Batch coming around the corner. Let's join the podcast area for a second here. Bad Batch coming out uh, 21st, over 21st. So <laughs> what, that's next week, right? Yes. Am I, am I going nuts here? That's a, that's a week from now. Nine days. Uh, nine nine days, days from now. Ah, uh, That's exciting. Speaking of, I mean, who knows if there's going to be anything about uh, Quinlan. <laughs> and uh, do, Did we talk about, are we going to talk about Quinlan and... Uh, we Queen talked about no, we already talked about Ventress last week, remember? Queen Ventress, okay. We did that. We talked about Queen Ventress this week. I've done my homework. I, I've, yeah. I've had we I did had that the week before. No, we didn't do uh -huh. last week that Ray was on. That was the week before Corey, I believe. Yes, okay. Um, yeah, anyway, <laughs> Brad Batch season three 
of three coming around the corner. Uh, Joel, you, so there, the, uh, and I'll say the, uh, the non-spoiler reviews are, are coming out, coming around, starting to, uh, come around the bend, I should say. Mm-hmm. And Joel, so you, you found a, you found a good one you want to look at. So let's, let's give that a look. Yeah. Apparently this, this, this was just one that, uh, Star Wars Holocron posted, um, and a bunch of other people we know have seen the eight episodes. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Okay. Uh, he says, uh, the, the post says, The Bad Batch, season season three, episodes one through eight, are phenomenal. Mature tone, with a focus on overarching plot over one-off stories. The season ties the entire saga together, mm-hmm. from the PT, The Mandalorian, to Rise of Skywalker. Omega and Crosshair are the show's heart. Palpatine has never been scarier. Um, Mandalorian and the Rise of Skywalker. Eh? Mm-hmm. What do you say? Know. I know. Uh, uh, and I feel like it's interesting that that re- particular reviewer, I don't think it's Holocron, I think he's just typing something he saw, is using those words mm-hmm. exactly. You know, like, it's not saying, it ties it all together, the prequels, the originals, the sequels. He's using specifically the Mandalorian and the Rise of Skywalker, specifically. And, well, we all know that uh, Mr. Mr. Hemlock, Dr. Hemlock, I love Dr. Hemlock, he's so cool, yeah. is, uh, you know, in charge of the Mount Tantus cloning facilities, and uh, old Palpy's there to, you know, make sure Hemlock's doing whatever is needed to be done. Uh, I'm not saying we're going to get an overt thing, but uh, me, me thinks this is the, the start of a very long process. Yes. Um, but also, just in general, uh, very excited for Bad Batch season three. Uh, I've loved the show so far. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's been great. Seated expectations. Uh, Jennifer Corbin, brilliant showrunner. Uh, you know, all props to her. We really need to you know really thank her for her brilliance of shepherding the show. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and um, very excited to just kind of get back on the Star Wars TV wagon for a little bit after the hiatus. So yeah. bring it on. Uh, I'll point out two things in this tweet. Uh, the thing that, yeah, is the surprise mm-hmm. that this kind of this clear sense that they are going to go into this dark arts cloning, whatever weird gobbledygook direction that we kind of suspected. But it is nice to know that they're not doing the annoying thing <laughs> of completely refusing to acknowledge anything at all. That they are, there is going to be things that. Those of us who who know what to look for uh, are are going to say, yeah, that's this is probably where this is headed. Mm-hmm. Um, where you know, and we don't, we absolutely like, and it, you know, I'm glad they're not going to be like, and this is how Snoke happens, and this is what Grow Group, you know, Operation Snoke. But they could have, yeah, they could have done the op, swung in the opposite direction, and mm-hmm. and just done nothing at all. And so it's nice to see that. The thing we we expected and predicted, Omega and Crosshair being the heart. Uh, I'm, I mean, that's the thing I'm looking forward to the most. Always thinking about mm. character first, and mm. at least I, I'm trying to learn to. Lore is important. Lore is great, but character first. And yeah, that from what I've heard, that the this <laughs> really does bring things home. Yeah, that mature tone mm-hmm. with Omega, right? With the this kid. Uh, yeah, the, yeah. This is really gonna bring home her story and bring home Crosshair's story. And so definitely looking forward to it. And uh, one last thing, both of those things, uh, mm-hmm. the, the, the character point Omega and Crosshair and connecting to the Mandalorian and, and the sequel trilogy, etc. 
Um, uh, and and let's, let me just bring this up again. Sorry. Uh, no, no, go ahead. Yeah, Man prequels to Mandalorian: Rise of Skywalker. Yeah, it, it really. Um, so maybe this is wrong. Correct me if I'm wrong. I, I get the feeling that in this era of live action, this show has not had the attention that say, Rebels and Clone Wars did. Um, no, you're, you're right. You know, and so, and and that's not a knock. It, it is a little too bad because it deserves the attention, but because it's a 20 minute animated show, it doesn't. And so, um, yeah. And, and so this will probably, yeah, probably raise the, raise the profile of, of this show, probably return it. I won't say it'll, it'll have the spotlight the way Clone Wars and Rebels did. But uh, it'll it'll get more of the attention, more of the love than it has the first two seasons because it's had to compete. So yeah, here I see. Let's see. Did have to let's see. Well, season one, I think season one had a pretty empty spot. Season two is when they did side by side with the Mandalorian. Yeah. Uh season and then see season no. But I mean, season one still came out after Mandalorian season one, right? No, it came out after yeah. season. Okay. Season well, no. it came okay. out while Mandalor ha ha Mandalorian had already come out, is what I mean, right? Because Mandalorian I, came out November 2019, right? I yeah, I want to say though that sorry for arguing about this. this no, stuff. no, I'm just um, to fact. Bad Batch. I want to say Bad Batch though came out like in the year of COVID when everything got weirdly pushed back. So yeah, I feel like it had to almost had a year to itself. I think the first season did. Sure. Um, I just mean what I just mean is Mandalorian season one came out November 2019, then yes. Bad Batch season one came out later. No, and so it came out, did... it came out yeah. in 2020, late 2021. Yeah, but after that's still after season two, season. at least, but that's still after Mandalorian season one. Like, we had already gotten uh, the bar of a live action Star Wars show streaming, yeah, show. that's what I mean. Right. It came um, out uh 2021. So yeah. Yeah. So it's yeah. It still yeah, fair fair point that it didn't come out while something else was happening. Mm -hmm. I know season two did get a lot of overlap, but um this one, yeah, this one, yeah, coming out. I mean, right now, yeah. I guess another thing is is there isn't any anything coming out yet in terms of live action Star Wars. Uh we'll get to that <laughs> possibly, probably not. Because we got to move on, but, yeah, yeah, uh, we'll, but yeah. maybe I'll, I'll, we'll get to that very quickly in, in a few minutes. But um, yeah, it's true. It, it has it's, has all the eyes on on that that screen on the animated screen. So, anyways, do you have, do you have anything more to say about uh, Bad Batch season three? No, I'm just excited for the hiatus of Star Wars screen stuff to end. I'm, yeah. I've been itching for some Star Wars Weekly again. That's true. Again, we're grateful, especially just remember the the writers and the actors needed a fair shake and they got a fair shake hopefully uh at least one they can live with for now so uh thankfully all that is now cleared the 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 log jam is cleared and yeah we're getting getting some star wars on screen uh so yeah eyes on screen um speaking of star wars that happen to be on screen uh well let me let me make sure i'm going here speaking of star wars that happened to be on screen uh 25 years ago uh and starting 25 years ago uh and i'm wearing this t-shirt and i'm being uh I'm, I'm gonna be i'm gonna take an attitude here guys I'm, I'm doing this uh news flash guys the war is over the prequelists won 
<laughs> and I'm being this way only because of all the crap that Jar Jar got and that Jake Lloyd got. And, you know, and, and I mean, I'm my best got um, for characters that are actually good, <laughs> you know, and performances that are actually decent. And uh, and for, for films that people actually loved before the internet. And we, we know the story. We know the history. The fight's over. I, 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 can, I can frame this t-shirt now. I don't even have to wear it. It just means something else because, and the reason I'm being this way <laughs> is, uh, of course, the hype, the thing of the hello there with the Empire magazine. I'm sure you have all heard it. Uh, yeah, they're getting a 25th anniversary look back issue coming out this Thursday. And it, it's UK magazine, Empire, Empire magazine. So uh, hopefully I'll be able to get my hands on it. Uh, Show the toys. Show the toys. Yes. Uh, so it'll feature interviews by, uh, feature interviews from Hayden Christensen, E. McDermott. Natalie Portman, Ewan McGregor, Liam Neeson. We'll see what Liam Neeson remembers. Sam Jackson, who never forgets, and more. Uh, I'll, I'll bring this guy. What am I doing here? Uh, bring this guy up. This this beautiful kitchen sink cover by Bill McConkey. Now that's only for subscribers, so hopefully I'll be able to get him. I that up. had yeah. the Sidious toy and the new Gunray toy. Nice. I know that for sure. And the Boa Fett that had no head. I have about five or six Coruscant cards, as as you all know. <laughs> there we go. Um, yeah. So there go. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Uh, so yeah. This this beautiful cover. Yeah, of, of all these toys, but also feel has a very comic book style. Hopefully, I'll be able to get it. I, I didn't didn't get time to to bring up the other two covers, but I'm sure you've all seen the tweets and whatnot. Um, Joel, I'll ask you this: which which interview are you most excited for mm, i don't know i just like looking at the pictures um <laughs> i guess e mcdermott i always love hearing from him um uh, hmm, I don't, i'm gonna say e mcdermott because that's always fun yeah um he's that's always fair. a group he's always the ball to, to that's on to, for sure. <laughs> yeah yeah there we go yeah i mean i hopefully i can get this cover it has a chorus on card on it so it means I it has to, i have to have it mm -hmm. <laughs> um Natalie Portman, she's been she hasn't been doing much with Star Wars in a long time. Finally, finally, a new Natalie Portman interview. I'm really excited for that. Um, Lee Neeson, like I said, we'll see what he remembers. Whenever anyone asks him about Star Wars, asks asks him about Phantom Menace, he's like, "Oh yeah, I was in that. That's right." <laughs> to be fair, he's been in so many other things, but it's. it's it's kind of Liam kind of Neeson. interesting. Kind of, I mean, he's been around. He's paid his dues, etc. Um, there we go. So, so yeah. Uh, in the chat, uh, I get to see folks in the chat. Red leader, uh, Wikipedia is in the house. You do the forces work. Welcome to the Iron Cannon podcast. Um, let's see, it, it, ask us what interviews are you guys excited for in this issue? Uh, again, I mean, Sam Jackson. Now, Sam Jackson on brand saying he wants a Mace Windu Disney Plus series. And it's a shtick now at this point. He, you know, he wants to come back. He wants to do something. He, he's still alive or, you know, except before. Uh, it's a shtick, but I'm here for it. I'll take it, whatever. Um, so, yeah. So, the, so those are the interviews. Um, the images, those beautiful images. Again, mm -hmm. go to, go to uh, oh, yeah, Ben was able to, to share them on the Underworld. The Hayden uh, one was my those, favorite, I think. Oh, and yeah. the Ian one. Yeah, the the which Hayden one, the one with the shadow. Yeah, oh my word, that's one of the best photos, Star Wars photos I've ever seen. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and I think Ben made the the thing with the Ben Hart, the Star Wars guy. Who, spoiler alert, by the way, is the main social media guy with the Star Wars Underworld. Um, I bet. put the put the Phantom Menace poster and that that image side by side, and yeah, the two now the two greatest Star Wars images that we've seen. Um, so yeah, uh, so that's that's about that. Uh, I don't know anything else. Anything else you're excited for with this Empire magazine? Um, no, I mean, it's, it's really cool. I, mm-hmm. It's really cool. Um, and of course, uh, you know, the the other big thing that came with yes, it. Yes, so we'll get to that in a second. But yeah, um, okay, so yeah, there's... And the toys. I love the toy cover. Because like, it, oh, I had some of those growing up. Yeah, that's there's pretty so sweet. Cool that toys. is pretty sweet. Okay, speaking of which, again, the war is over, guys. Not only, not only is Jar Jar getting the love he deserves, not only is Jake looking at the love he deserves, he's getting the love in theater. Yay! So happy. Yeah, let's bring this. I, I'm gonna bring this poster up. I'm I'm gushing. I'm not I'm not holding back here. Like I'm actually getting I'm actually getting a little weepy right now. I'm not kidding. I have not seen this film in the theater since 1999. And uh, I remember I loved it. I saw it five times in the theater. I was 14 years old. I had a, a crush on Natalie Portman from day one. <laughs> uh and yeah, it's coming back on May third for the May fourth weekend. It's a beautiful poster by Matt Ferguson, uh, showing just very, very beautiful, very twenty twenty four esque poster that you know fits. And it's clearly stylized and whatnot. But I, I'm so excited. I, I hope it goes for a while. I hope it's for a few weeks. Hope I can. Sh- I hope I can watch this like five times in the theaters. But. I hope yeah. I can watch it once. I never got to see any Phantom Menace or Attack of the Clones in theaters. True, because you were, what, two years old? <laughs> yeah. That's, no, no, no. Let's see. 99. I was yeah. four. You were four. Okay, fair. I forgot how old you were. Yeah, and I just, like, I don't know what else to say about this except to mm-hmm. just be happy that uh, that this, the, the turning of the tide, that um, the groundswell of affection and love for this trilogy, for this story for this masterpiece that George Lucas did. I like, I mean, our friend, our friend Din is fond of saying, yeah, George in 1977 to 1983, he made a masterpiece. He did something no one else had done before. No one else had seen. And then in 1999 to 2005, he did it again uh, (laughs) and made such beautiful films, a beautiful story. And this poster by Matt Ferguson just captures the aesthetic so well. It's my favorite aesthetic. It's my favorite trilogy, of course. Um, my favorite story. And Revenge of the Sith is, of course, my favorite film of all time. And so Phantom is, yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, we know Tanda's favorite film. I definitely uh, spammed her with the, in the chats. <laughs> uh, I go back and forth if Phantom Menace is actually my favorite prequel or not because I got a lot of love for Revenge of the Sith but sometimes yeah. man Phantom Menace just always like mm, that really my secret favorite like I never know it's like I always have to think hard about it yeah. um, I always agree with people though who say it's the prettiest so I think it yeah. is kind of the nicest looking yeah um, so yeah so yeah hopefully and here's a good point hopefully it's in Europe European theaters do the right thing. I mean, I'm sure it's going to be AMC in the States. Uh, Cineplex, yeah, Cineplex in Canada do the right thing. Uh, again, I'm going to shout out Din one more time. Give us, give it to us in 3D. I never got, to, I didn't get to see it in 3D. I just never got on the ball when it was in 3D. Um, and so the 3D really, so yeah, it does have, I guess because it, it did come back 
most times and, and whatnot. But I, again, I haven't seen it since 1999 in the theaters. So I'm okay uh, with not seeing it in 3D. I don't like 3D that much. But uh, I would <laughs> love to see it in theaters regardless. Um, yeah, yeah I, is it the tightest written? Yeah, I mean, it's pretty good, pretty tight written. To me, it's the one that feels the most really like the original trilogy. It's got that fun adventure yeah. spark to it. Um, I could go on, but I uh, know we 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 are pressed for yes, for some so, time. Anyway, so I and this wasn't that big of a newsy thing. This is just me gushing over how much. Uh, yeah, I mean, I keep saying it. I, keep I think it's a big news it. thing. It's nice to see an old film in, on yeah. in with a wide release. But to say, yeah, again, the the groundswell, the popularity, the fact that this is going to sell out in theaters. Those people are going to flock to this. I hope so. It, it, yeah, I know so. I mean. It, it's you know at least at least for a bit they're gonna be the haters there's already the haters but they're just so irrelevant but lucasfilm says no we're doing this now um you know and, and well is it a wide release or is it a limited release uh i don't know i mean i hope it's at least gotta be at least a few theaters in toronto uh a few theaters in every city i will try uh, to find it nearby my yeah city I mean, i'm not driving outside my city but yeah, we'll fair. try and find it I, I mean, here's the thing. I, I drive to, if it's not playing in Canada, I'll, I'll drive to Buffalo. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I will absolutely do that. So, yeah, May 3rd. Again, hopefully, obviously for the May 4th weekend-ish or vicinity. But, I mean, it would make sense. It would be great if it ran until, what was it, May, 20, May 25th, May 19th. Or whatever, the, the actual 25th anniversary of the film. So, um, yeah, yeah. Just excited. I don't know. There's, I don't. There's nothing intellectually deep to say about this, except, you know, I, I was actually welling up. Yeah, it's so beautiful. Anyways, very quickly, uh, get this out of the way. Although, just give one more look. All right. <laughs> uh, very nice. Very quickly, uh, there is new Star Wars coming out. New Star Wars that we're gonna really talk about quickly. Talk about a lot. Uh, Collider.com saying that their our next favorite show will be will hit Disney Plus this summer. Uh, release window. That's Joel. That's kind of what you expected. Uh, the summer. So yeah, the good that Bad Batch will get its uh, get its time in the sun, and then the acolyte will hit. the The article, oddly speaking, of Phantom Menace, it was fifty years before the Phantom Menace. I'm guessing that's a mistake. I I don't think that's right. I think that's like saying Darth the Darth Maul comic releasing on a Thursday. I don't think that's right either. <laughs> um, but interesting implications if if it's actually set fifty years as opposed to 100 years. I don't know if you want to talk a bit more about that. I mean, I don't know. Maybe it will be ambiguous. Uh, my, my, my here, the, the cynical conspiracy theorist in my, me is like, uh, they're going to be vague about it in case they're like, we got to break the Darth Plagueis glass. Um, uh, break in case we need Plagueis. Um, uh, cause, you know, but I, I, I always felt that they were going to send it at least 100 years to give it some space and kind of like let the let the own little mini era of High Republic on TV breeze before, yeah. before, before, before old Hugo starts showing up and doing his evil mune banking Sith Lord stuff. Um, oh, Hugo. <laughs> old Hugo. Hugo, my buddy Hugo. Hugo. Hey, Hugo or Hugo? <laughs> no, I think it's Hugo. Well, that's, a, that's how the novel. That's how the audiobook pronounces Hugo Damask. So really, even though it's spelled H E G O. That's how I've. That's how the novel uh, pronounces it. Uh, um, <laughs> Hugo Damask. That's how I always pronounced it. it but sounds, uh, more, sounds more correct. Old Plagueis walks around, but uh, yeah. no, I. I mean, 
I don't know. I always thought I thought that, like I have heard so many different years and when the higher public ends. Like yeah. there's a Chinese book that like says it ends like eighty four BBY, and I'm like okay. Um, I'd be curious if the show actually does what Andor does and like put it put the date um yeah. on any of it or not. But um, yeah. I mean, maybe maybe they just got it wrong. I don't know. I don't know. Um, yeah. there's white robes, and I've seen some of the spoiler trailer stuff. But yeah, yeah. exciting. It's it's Phantom Menace the show maybe, um, that'll be that'll be interesting. I mean, it's definitely set earlier than that. But. I, I I agree with Omar though that uh yeah yeah start the marketing during the Phantom Menace stuff and put it put a trailer for it in 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 the in the Phantom Menace thing. Yeah, Omar, that was a great point. Um, yeah. that'll, be, that'll be that'll be nice, <laughs> nice because uh yeah as, as Red's saying we haven't seen anything. No dice. So yeah. Um. Okay. We we got to move on, but. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that as always, that's the one thing we're we're gonna when this show actually does does air, we're gonna we're gonna have rather extended eyes on screen for this probably <laughs> approaching main topic each week. Uh, we'll see, we'll see what happens. Um, yeah, and see how that syncs up with the flagship show and whatnot. So yeah. definitely keep 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 it locked on on the Iron <laughs> podcast for all your thoughts, all our thoughts on the acolyte. Because it's set in the higher public, it's it's considered a higher public esque. Our, our girl Vern is going to be our our woman, our lady Vern. She's going to show up. So uh, get a cameo for five minutes, but she'll be in it. <laughs> Who knows? So there she cameo for five minutes and dies. So, oh, that, that's, that's great. That's yeah. <laughs> I mean, not, not great that she dies, but great that she's in it. You know, I'm not anyway. spoiling anything. I'm just making a joke, people. Yeah, um, we know. We know. We know. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. Uh, Vern. Vern doesn't have any love interest. She doesn't. She doesn't go there. Uh, some of her friends do. Let's uh, let's get it. Let's get it to Valentine's Day. Let's do this. Uh, let's talk about love, Joel. <laughs> love something we don't know about. Um, uh, little self-deprecating humor. Um, yeah, romance in Star Wars. You know, it's it's kind of always been part of the saga since. Well, more since Empire. I mean, there's a little bit in, in, in New Hope with, you know, Luke going to Lay and going, who is she? Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Obi-Wan, it's your sister. You snap. She didn't know that. I know, I know. I know. I'm just joking. Um, yeah, it's 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 been part of the saga since, since, since really, the, since, you know, day one. Mm-hmm. Um, always the middle one has probably the most heavier, heavy on the romance or any romantic implications. Um, you know, Empire tech clones, a little bit less yeah, in, the, in the tension there to a certain extent. Um, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't really know where, where to begin with this one. Um, uh, um, yeah, I mean, well, well, I guess the way I'll, I'll just jump in quickly then. Yeah, you know, the way we've thought to organize this is in actually the. The big, there's some big ships, big ships coming up. Uh, there's the Venator. No, sorry, I, I could, I had to make that joke once, right? Um, the yeah, big three ship show, the Star Destroyer, the Venator, and I like the Luger Hulk. So I'm going to meet yeah, the Luger Hulk. Luger Hulk's <laughs> not bad. Yeah, um, I love Luger Hulk. Old Man Snoke's boudoir. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's the supremacy. I'm talking about the Trade Federation ship. Oh, one. those guys. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I mean, we got Round Anakin Padme, um, Han and Leia. And and the 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 thumbnail. Oh my gosh, Joel! What are you doing with that thumbnail? Morello's going. Speaking uh, of speaking I'm, of uh, fan, I'm poking the bear because this is what <laughs> YouTube's all about, people. Yeah. That's what you got to do. When so... You play the game. Yeah. Um. Well, 
I guess we start with the origin, the the O the OG of of romances. Then Matthew, let's let's get Han and Leia. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, weirdly, they're kind of. I mean, maybe some people disagree with me, but in my opinion, in terms of kind of the big three, mm-hmm. they're really the healthiest. Um, despite the age gap. Which is kind of more of an issue. Well, I don't know. With the age gap always there with original trilogy, I don't know. <laughs> but um, despite kind of the, the kind of the questionable age gap because of the prequels, honestly, honestly, kind of the healthiest relationship. Honestly, I think of the big three. Um, because um, well, you know, I mean, you know, especially in later material, they love each other and they respect one another. You know, Han and. Han is not like a controlling man. It's like my wife will sit here and do this, and you know, <laughs> Leia. Leia is very much you know, you know, you do not mess with Leia. Um, especially a lot of the newer material. You know, they they're very you know respectful of one another. Like Leia, Han. You know, yes, they're stubborn, but you know, <laughs> Han will eventually like support Leia and her diplomatic goals. Mm-hmm. You know, he he seems like the kind of guy who like yeah, he 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 hates to wear like a suit and fancy robes or something, but like. Do it because you know it's important for Leia in the mission. Um, you know, Leia's you know, kind of Han is the scoundrel, you know, scoundrel. Um, you know, originally it's very much the the classic lady in the tramp. Ooh, he's on the wrong side of the tracks, he's a bad boy, kind of, but, he, but he's got a heart of gold because he helped the rebellion. Um, and then you know, post Endor, he goes legit. And, you know, they try to raise a family, but they're kind of got too much of that free spirit to them. Um, I think what's interesting about Han and Leia's marriage, at least how it's portrayed in canon so far, is that it's kind of like they both need to be free, but they'll always kind of, it's kind of like, if you love something, set it free, but if mm-hmm. they love you, they'll return to you. And that's how I kind of view their their relationship, it's like, yeah, they're not gonna like just stay home every day. It's like, hi, honey, you know, back from work making the bacon. Yeah. Uh, you know, Han will have his wacky adventure, and Leia will have her diplomatic military adventure. They know this. It doesn't really help their kid growing up, probably. Um, some implications there. Yeah. Uh, both in Legends and Canon. Uh, leave it with the droid, Nanny, or Winter. Um, yeah. Legends. Um, but you know, in terms of just their the two of them themselves, they always come back to each other. You know, even in Force Awakens, you know, they, they're, everyone always acts as if, and, you know, this is kind of a problem with the lack of exposition, kind of acts as if, like, there was some big divorce, and it's like, no, I just think Han just felt sad and shamed because his son turned to the dark side, and, like, it's almost like a kid dying. It's like they couldn't be around each other for a while, mm-hmm. but at the end, Han still came back to Leia, and, you know, they kissed and hugged, uh, and then Han died. Um, but you know, it's, uh, you know, that, that's a kind of a, in terms of the on-screen relationships, and I'm just going to keep in terms of the saga right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it kind of is the healthiest and kind of the most, the just truly romantic in terms of also what other authors and writers have done with it over the years, especially with a more modern context. So yeah, that's kind of, I'll just start in there with Han and Leia. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely... A romance forged in the crucible of war mm-hmm. and that that's part of it you know they they meet each other and then they mm-hmm. he, he sort of saves her but no she's the one who saves him uh, into the garbage chute flyboy you know uh 
the, you know, there's something that appeals to Han, oddly enough, about the, a woman who can take charge. And I wonder if it's, he's just so tired of taking charge. He's also, you know, even going back to Kira, he, he he's the he's the scoundrel with the heart. And when when a woman brings the heart out in him by being, oh, I mean, when 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 she takes on the the stronger, more hardened role, mm-hmm. he his softness comes out. And you know, it happened in a little bit with Kira, but she was she left, and you know, she well, we know what happened. She, I mean, she ends up with Beckett and Maul, and um, not being able to really you know connect back with Han at all. Mm-hmm. With Leia, yeah, I mean, she she has obviously has her soft side too, mm-hmm. but I think the difference and the difference with these the other two big film pairs here that we're going to talk about, she's the one with the more importance to the organization probably frankly the more importance to the story uh that's not true for for ray but um well, certainly the more more political power more more military power mm-hmm. you know she she's the alpha if i can use that term in this in this context and so he has to find a way to support her and i mean that's uh the this is the ray carson novel uh, Princess. No, the, it's Beth, the, Re- Beth Revis. Beth Revis, sorry. The, the Beth Revis novel, Princess and the Scoundrel. That really comes out. That they, I mean, their honeymoon, she has to, <laughs> the honeymoon on the Halcyon, she has to turn it into a diplomatic mission. And he has to understand that. And yeah, I mean, that's the, the thing. There was this weird expiry date, like adapt or not, adapt or die. And, uh, yeah, because with Han, you know, there's there's only so much he could be a stay-at-home dad, right? There's only so much, you know, it's, his this domestic life would be able he'd be able to handle that. Mm-hmm. I think it is sad because it means he never adapted, means they never really figured it out. And yeah, like I don't, I never think there was any kind of big blow up, but there was clearly a drift apart. Uh, well, it doesn't help that your son turned to the dark side. Sure. Well, no, you're right. I mean that that's definitely what happens and mm-hmm. you know and but I, I think there was there were the seeds of that beforehand i mean you even read read the aftermath trilogy you read last shot there's already this these kind of questions even in princess and the scoundrel even in mm-hmm. uh even in return of the jedi there's a question mm-hmm. how are they going to make this work um you know where is the where's i mean this is the funny thing with the all these relationships is Whereas the rational buildup to actually stepping back and you know dialing down the emotions a little bit and saying, okay, let's actually figure this out. Um, of course, I think something Leia could have done, but she, I mean, probably she, maybe she tried to do, because I do think actually women are better at that, frankly. <laughs> uh, yeah, could, tried to do, but maybe he just couldn't. Maybe he just didn't accept it. So it's interesting. We're talking about the the breakup of it, but I mean, I, what appeals to us about this, you know, is I mean, I think in Empire, you know, his his, uh, his gumption, his 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 kishkas <laughs> in the uh, in that that boiler room, whatever, where he just goes for the kiss. The carbonite readings, well, no, I mean before when he goes for the kiss and and Chewy, not Chewy, three PO cock blocks him. <laughs> oh, it's in the Hans. It's in the Millennium Falcon. That yeah, in the Falcon. Right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but that, that, I mean, that she wants it and there, there's a real, real desire there for, 
for each other. And he, he can see that and sense that. Um, is there an appeal for, for a man who can, can actually be sensitive to that and be aware of that and then actually take action for it? You know, I, mean, I mean, these are kinds of things I'm thinking about in, for real life too. But, uh, you know, in, this, in the 80s, 1980, that's, I mean, here's the question, and I'll throw this to chat as well. You know, did, has this aged well or not? I mean, I think, I, I think, it's, it's, well, and Joel, you, I think you, you probably think it has. Well, actually, I can see the argument. Empire? Well, I'll say, I'll say both. I'll, I'll look at, I'll, I'll look at this both ways. I mean, okay. Again, it, is he, to the extent that he's actually reading what Leia wants him to do mm-hmm. in this? Yeah. I mean, there, and I think there is a conversation. You know, now that hopefully, I mean, this is this game definitely getting to real world concerns here. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, now as we get more used to this post Me Too reality of conversations about power and desire and consent, um, and hopefully, hopefully, there are increasing norms and, and just a sense of, of course, consent is is this baseline, bottom line. That we can actually see, okay, he actually saw what Leia wanted and took action, right? Um, yeah, there's some some physical things, uh, or like you're saying, you know, stay in the cockpit, kind of, you know, being held again. I, I mean, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't want well, to cancel myself. I'll but, just say this, <laughs> and I'll say this about all the romances in Star Wars, yeah. Betsy the Saga. Yeah. Uh, this is what happens when you write space operatic romances and it's all written by dudes yeah white dudes um you know white dudes um you know so uh you know there's always some problematic stuff to it just in inherently uh you know uh and that's why that's why i said on the top that in my opinion han and leia are the least toxic because Mm -hmm. um well, you know, I think there's a little bit of Han getting a little handsy in Empire for sure, and I think mm-hmm. if you if you label that criticism on it, I'm not gonna be all defensive about it. Like, yeah. no, uh, if you if you say that, but I do think that, um, and this is comes from more modern media written by women, like Beth Rivers and others, um, and just kind of even or even just people it doesn't have to be just women, but you know, the people just with more with a, an awareness of of this um angle to it mm-hmm. uh, that i think the foundations for han and leia's relationship are still stronger and you know yeah han gets a little handsy and the the age gap thing is more of a weird kind of byproduct of the prequel timeline thing yeah. um at the end of the day you know foundationally han and leia kind of you can kind of just forget the the, the age thing for a second because you know pre- is they are they do love each other, and even mm-hmm. after they break up, it's not like Han started, you know, just going. They dating other people, and Leia's like, no, I think Han remained loyal to Leia to the bitter end. Um, and you know, once he kind of came out of his need to run away, it, you know, it's like, um, it's it's funny. Harrison Ford plays two characters who kind of has this with Marion. Um, especially with especially with there is an age implication because yeah. apparently Han was uh, not Indy was twenty five and she was fifteen and uh, they uh, mm, yeah mm, 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 that's uh, problematic yeah yeah it's more and problematic I, but like Leia and Han there is kind of well obviously once you 
especially in the later stuff, you know, there's a reason why Indy and Arian are still kind of the OTP for each other, even in Indy 6, and mm-hmm. why I still love them as a couple, even though, yeah, the problematic elements, again, is yeah. what happens when you when you have a bunch of guys, right, in some romance. Um, I mean, although, we, I mean, we know Marsha had a lot to put in, a lot of input later on. Uh, and even, I mean, and we'll get to Carrie Fisher having input in the prequels too, but right. Uh, but, I um, mean, you know, well, sorry, I'll let you, let you finish your thought. Okay. Yeah. But, uh, you know, Han and Leia, I think there's a lot more to build around them mm-hmm. where even if their relationship falls apart, I feel to think there is still, you kind of sometimes you just kind of have to write it in a more modern sense and kind of ignore sure. how Empire handles it to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. But I do think that sometimes they you know they do respect each other. They do generally love each other, um, and they were there to each other for the end. You know. Yeah, I mean, I will say a few things. I mean, at some point, the age thing doesn't really matter as much, especially because I mean, Leia, what she's she's say 23 in empire but even when when she's younger i mean she knows herself and she doesn't take any crap from anybody and uh you know is one of the great you know i mean we have the stereotype of strong female lead she was that before and she she was before that was a thing and she made it a thing um by by being such a brilliant example of it so i mean there's that i mean you know she just more confident i think more honestly more more genuinely confident right than mm-hmm. han which is weird because <laughs> han projects confidence he he pushes it out but really that's that's a front for all his who am i what am i doing how am i oh i really want to actually uh fight for for what's right in the galaxy but i have this reputation to uphold okay i'm going to give up this reputation in part because leia is there but that Leia genuinely inspires him, even in New Hope, to come back and, and, and help Luke destroy the Death Star, but ultimately risk his stick his neck out for the rebellion. I think, I mean, another thing to say then is character development, character growth. He becomes <clears throat> grows into the person who could be a good fit and good support for Leia. Mm-hmm. <coughs> Sorry, I've spoken a lot tonight a good good support for leia in part i mean going through the scary vulnerable thing of being frozen in carbonite becoming becoming helpless and genuinely no bones about her being rescued by leia he is the princess in the tower right uh and so that really does teach him to the point where you know if, if she was if she he didn't know about Luke, uh, he was being like, yeah, okay, I'll I'll I'll, I'll go. You know that took a lot, that took a lot of integrity on his part. And then of course Leia has to say no, it's not a problem. <laughs> We're good. I um, mean, you know, Han, in terms of character growth, that's why I always say Force Awakens is the best. Well, actually, I think actually I'm going to do like Rise of Skywalker's ending for Han in terms of like an optimistic ending. But you know, yeah. in terms of like the physical death of Han Solo, um. That's to me is his character coming full round robin. Like, I don't know if Han and Leia could ever truly have a life where it's like they're domestic. I don't think so. And maybe that's why, you know, mm-hmm. they're in terms of like being a fit for each other is never going to happen per se. Mm-hmm. But in terms of the character growth, 
yeah, you know, the selfish smuggler who's like, I'm only doing this for the money. It's episode seven. He is the father trying one last time to kind of heal his son's soul. And, you know, you know, he gonna he knows he knows he's not gonna make it out there. He probably knows like there's a good ninety percent chance he's gonna die. He's like, you know what? I gotta do this. I am I'm I am doing this more I am doing this for more. Mm-hmm. than just money at this point i'm doing this for the galaxy for leia for my son yeah. for my family um it's not even a question at that point right you know even you in, know. even yeah. you know rise of skywalker which i mean he is hauling the Rathars for some right. reason but i mean that's I mean, more it's, it's, it's a gig, uh, it's the job right <laughs> it's more of a it's a more of a backslide but even then yeah. and this is why i don't like it when people say oh han's just han from episode four and force awakens mm. He quickly helps Finn and Ray pretty quick. He's yeah. like the Han in Force in Episode Four. Be like, nah, got pay me money. Like the minute he hears Leia, he's like, yeah. okay, yep, I know I gotta do this. Like he doesn't want to, but he, like you can tell he just like getting yep, too old for this. <laughs> I gotta do it. Yeah. So you know, Brett just said toxic, but not murderous. So, but again, I don't know if they're that toxic. Frankly, I think I think they they there are toxic moments, mm-hmm. but. Yeah, I mean, especially again by the by Return of the Jedi, they're not, <laughs> you know, so right, right. Yeah. So that's Han and Leia. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, funny how we were all Phantom Menace prequel loving for a second because uh, we talk about Anakin and Padme. Oh Let's boy, bring this back up again. Is, is Anakin even in this? Oh, he's at the bottom there. Okay, <laughs> uh, yeah, he's like a little shadow. Yeah. Um, yeah, so my opinion. This is the most toxic because I think intentionally in some ways this is supposed to be the most toxic yeah. relationship of Star Wars. Um, yes, I, mm-hmm. I will say that because obviously it doesn't work out. Um, it's not supposed to be healthy. Um, it's supposed to be why he falls to the dark side. Spoiler, Anakin Skywalker at the end of episode three. Exactly. All right. So here's kind of my controversial opinion about Padme and Anakin. Mm-hmm. This is the only one I don't understand. Um, I understand yeah. almost every relationship and every shipping pair, both from a story perspective and even from a can from a fandom perspective. I get why Raylo exists. I get why Shabine, I like all Shabine's called Wolfren in fandom, exists. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I get Kane and Hera in canon. I get Han and Leia in canon. I even get Luke and Mara in Legends. Um, I don't understand this one. I, I this is the one to me that feels the most. This needs to happen because the plot needs to happen, and because Luke and Leia need to get born. This needs like we need the mother. Uh, we need a mother character. Um, and especially because I don't know what Padme sees in Anakin at all, at all in Attack of the Clones and Phantom Menace. Like I get why he likes her. Um. Oh, yeah. Hey, Natalie Portman, uh, and maybe also, uh, you know, and also, you know, it, you know, it's like, are you an angel? You know, well, I don't yeah. want to be of you know, like she's pretty, uh, you know, it's like, you know, got some spunk, probably a little bit, but like, what does Padme see in Anakin and Attack of the Clones, especially? It's like, there's one, okay, there's one good moment where they are in the ground, in the gardens of 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 Naboo, and they're kind of playing around. Anakin's like showing off. Uh, it's not the pear scene. It's it's, it's the yeah. one where he's like riding the bull, yeah. and they're having fun. They're rolling around the grass. It's it's cute. Like okay, you know, like maybe it's like he brings out her fun side. He can like not be 
all the politicians, senator, former queen all day. Maybe that's what they're going for. But then he goes into like, well, we need like a strong leader yeah. who will make the galaxy great again and tell the senators what to do. And then so, later yeah, to a sen- to a future senator. <laughs> and then yeah. he's like, I killed all the Tuscans, what the women twist? and children too. I went to the cribs and vroom vroom. And she just like Okay. Like Yeah. You are the most you're supposed to be a humanitarian, Padme. Uh you're su- like and and the problem I have with, with this is Look, if you want to make it that Padme yourself is maybe not a decent human being as we think she should be, that's fine. Mm-hmm. I'm okay with like these are like I would like it would be it'd been interesting if like these are like two not great people coming together and it's just gonna be bad for everything. But eventually she realizes, oh shoot, he's crazy and fascist. I gotta get out of here. Yeah. But Padme is played straight, Balea and Luke. Of more than Luke, of this, of of the trio, you know, she is she is where kind of Luke gets his apathy, uh, not apathy, empathy mm-hmm. from, and like kind of you know that's why Luke is very much <clears throat> all about seeing good and good in Vader, even though I think a lot of people be like, why, why, dude? Yeah. Um, so it's it's again, it's 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 this is why. I understand that it has to be somewhat a toxic relationship and probably the most toxic relationship. They actually do get married and try to be domestic. And you watch those Clovis arcs. It's like, yikes, you know, yeah. like Anakin's like, you are my wife, you know, which is again, yeah. you know, like you never saw Han Solo do that. And if he did, like if he ever tried, you know, Lei would kick his butt. Um, but again, Han Solo actually never, I don't think I've, I've, you know, at least in the modern books and stuff i've never seen han go listen you are my wife like listen here or yeah, like, or they'd be like she'd be like you're joking right she'd laugh at his face <laughs> right. i think padme and, does a little bit but but you know anakin yeah. he, he full on goes like 50s husband i'm yeah. the man of this house you know mm-hmm. even though you're a careerist woman and you know it, it, getting gender roles for a little bit but yeah the the, the, the even the newer stuff Mm-hmm. doesn't make me believe their romance because I just don't see the foundations enough yeah. in a way that I understand the other two a bit more, even if you can still mm-hmm. say there's problematic elements to both, which there are, because I, yeah. I think almost all Star Wars romance is problematic, because again, mostly written by dudes. Yeah, I mean, I know <laughs> Carrie Fisher had some writing input in this, but I, I guess her, her and Natalie Portman's input probably wasn't taken into account as much. I do see what you're saying. I do. Let me try and kind of resolve it, smooth it over a little bit. Uh, first <laughs> of all, yeah, this is a great point. I do wish, you know, I think <clears throat> EK Johnson, she had the opportunity to actually explore this and she kind of kept Padme a little too Lily white, a little too, Mm-hmm. Uh, just, just too perfect, I think, and that's the problem. Is maybe our image of Padme is uh, sorry, I'm just gonna take the comment off, um, uh, just because it's in the way. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, is uh, I wonder if our image of Padme or our, our sense of Padme is a little too lily white. And you know, I say women are are more rational about all this, and I do believe that, but it's not always the case. It's not necessarily the case, and you know, I mean. that's the thing is that what if the dynamic is toxic from both directions right 
what if and it's interesting we're, we're talking valentine's day shipping happy romance we're talking about toxic toxic from both directions and kind of understandable from both directions i mean there is a theory in kind of well in in relationship psychology and in romance psychology that you know part of what we're trying to do with a partner is at its best and its worst um be their parent and parent them uh parent them and and get the support so well like like offer the support mm -hmm. that our parents offered us mm -hmm. receive the support that our parents offered us so offer the support that they got from their parents it, and it's not obviously it's not the same where where it get is it where it's it's healthy and wholesome is first of all when um this is a book called getting the love you want I forget the the author this is this this relationship counselors mm -hmm. it's you know i'm getting to padme in a minute don't worry <laughs> i'm getting there um it's healthy when it's both understood and, and and within the the bounds of mutual responsibility for, for the pursuit of mutual responsibility and mutual reciprocal involvement with each other mm -hmm. it's and and it's 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 healthy when it actually is, there's always this point in a relationship where i mean and the first fight i think the first crisis is where um they say oh you're either doing the thing that i hated about my parents or you're not doing the thing i expected from my parents and to say well i'm not your parent <laughs> i'm someone else <laughs> you know uh yeah. and and for them to actually talk it through and say okay we're building something new we're building something healthy and you know uh building something that where we could become parents possibly mm -hmm. right um you know to to kids who are actually dependent on us and vulnerable and whatnot mm -hmm. but we're we're all vulnerable Right. And that's that's kind of the point is is how we deal with each other's vulnerabilities. Again, let's we'll say with Han, he's in this very vulnerable place in Jabba's Palace. And and they're able to reconcile that um, to a point. I think with Padme, we know with Padme uh in the Phantom Menace, here's this kid who is being stripped away from his mother. Right. This nine-year-old vulnerable dependent kid. You know, no one's disputing that that's a, a place of, I need my mom. Um, mm -hmm. And that's, you know, that's the thing. I mean, that's, that's also a step on the way to Vader, right? That's kind right. of the point of, that's part of what is happening in the Phantom Menace is, is him being ripped away from his mother at the age of nine. Like well, that. he chooses to go, so he's not really being ripped away. Yeah, he chooses to go, but it's still, it's still a major shock, a massive shock, right? That's fair. And we see that even in the in the temple scene, right? It may sing, "You miss your mother. Your thoughts dwell in your mother." Of course they do. He's a nine year old kid. <laughs> first yeah. time away from home. Padme sees him and 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 sees this this kid. She doesn't have. I mean, she's fourteen. Her, she's nine and she's fourteen. Yeah, her her sense of of adulthood is is emerging too. Um, you know, yes. I mean, it's. Yeah, I, you know, right. I get it is it is a stark choice, but it's still it's home or it's all it's also oh, yeah. with her mother or, or, or Coruscant with the Jedi. I know, yeah. So, um, and, and so anyway, my point is, it, it it starts off very much a uh you know the Japor snippet and 
the the blanket and um you know the temperature and everything her maternal instincts come out for anakin um you know there when they're when they're 14 and 9 she remembers that 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 really makes a mark 10 years later right uh, nine, yeah 10 years later you know, you know this really makes a mark really impacts her um her drive and she doesn't find anyone well i guess maybe she does but uh, she I guess she does have this boyfriend before but you know when she encounters encounters him as kind of grown up but still wayward still not you know he's got a little there. boy and you want tattooing yeah and he's still very angsty and this angsty teenager now um but you know and then they're they're about to die they're about to be executed by by the separatists here uh all that i mean talk about a crucible mm -hmm. all that bubbles over and you know and and, and it's also a moment where they they save each other and they support mm -hmm. each other and, and obi-wan's there <laughs> too and then the, the grand army of the republic comes in and the clones attack it's called a film called attack of the clones it's a pretty good film too by the way <laughs> came out 20 22 years ago um yeah and so i kind of my point being is is mm -hmm. that from our outside perspective you know if sabe and i think there might be actually this is where ek johnson does go is sabe wants to sit her down and say what the hell are you doing i like guy? those moments those were good and this is and this is this is her best novel queen's hope is her best novel and she wants to but by that point they've drifted apart too they've just apart and, and just she doesn't she no longer has that place in her in padme's life to say that she mm -hmm. might have before but at this point she doesn't and certainly by the time of uh you know revenge of the sith, even probably through the clone wars and revenge of the sith she doesn't have that place mm -hmm. in in her life anymore and so um you know and hopefully she would you know mon might have been able to say something or somebody uh and so but they don't and again my point is they are there are incredibly powerful forces at work here and we celebrate them. And part of the Valentine's day is celebrating how powerful those forces are, mm -hmm. respecting how powerful those forces are. Um, you know, our, our conventions about dating and marriage and whatnot are attempts to contain those forces. Sometimes uh, harness them. The forces exist. This is just evolutionarily. I'm not trying to exclude people, but, I know we you know the forces exist initially as part of um, uh, continuing the species. Now, of course, we understand you know, that they're part of our identity, and there's a diversity of our those identities and drives, and even you know people on the A spec and and whatnot. But um, and yeah, and we'll we'll we're, we are bringing up a, a good queer ship. Don't worry. But to say for Padme, yeah, she. She really wants to protect this kid, uh, and that kind of continues on through. But also, th there is also this other part to it, right? She is excited by him. The way I think Leia is excited by Han. Mm -hmm. um, here is this this guy who who knows to take action, and I mean again, Anakin and Clone Wars. That's the amazing thing about Anakin and the Clone Wars. We do get that heroic side of him. Do they get that? I mean, it's swashbuckling. It is a bit more Han, you know. It's but it's it's for 
it's even for it's for the sake of preserving democracy too right uh, you know it's still you know the Colmers, they don't have those philosophical conversations if they do anakin's kind of blunted or knows he's not as smart <laughs> or maybe he <laughs> is or knows knows maybe he needs to listen and learn better um yeah i think there i mean there's all that and then of course the illicit part of this and that's that's another powerful force is anakin has broken the jedi code um uh joseph scrimshaw and the force center podcast did a whole council like star wars counseling about this um you know anakin's broken the jedi code part of his identity is in jeopardy uh if this this relationship with padme gets revealed mm -hmm. uh, padme i mean naboo they respect the jedi deeply <laughs> and for mm. if padme and this was was joseph's point if it comes out that Padme has been part of a Jedi breaking his his vow of celibacy, that would that would just look really bad for for the relationship between the Naboo and the Jedi. Uh, that's why Padme says that you know the Senate wouldn't let it, you know the Queen won't let her stand. She's right; like she would have to. She's yeah. discredited. You know, I mean, something that. Like the Naboo value the Jedi in their traditions and mm -hmm. their traditions of celibacy, and and so they they wouldn't accept that, and and so all these different things scandal. pulling them apart. Yeah, it's a scandal. That is unfortunate, and that's part of the tragedy. And that's the thing. That's part of the tragedy uh, is the yeah. scandal of mm -hmm. these things that are keep it hidden. And I mean, that's the thing with Obi Wan, and that's the thing. Again, looking back, kind of what, what we were talking about an hour ago, right? <laughs> you know, Obi-Wan, he wants to do the best he can, but Anakin and Padme won't trust him because mm -hmm. they can't trust anybody. Uh, and that's the sense that they don't trust him. So, yeah, all these conflicts of interests. Yeah. So, I, 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 here's the thing I, it is confusing. I still find it compelling because it's still, it's the prequel trilogy, it's the story this high romance story that is the prequel trilogy that, yeah, I mean, it has to happen in order for Anakin <laughs> to follow the dark side. We know, I think George was thinking this already, right? That. Well, Luke really and Leia have to be born. So, you know, but I think what, what your point you're saying before, you know, that um, attachment is what leads Anakin to the dark side. It's what brings him back that the son of Padme and it, only the son of Padme can bring bring Anakin back uh, in Return of the Jedi. So, yeah. It's a good thing he was interested in Luke and not Leia. Otherwise, I think that would have gone down very differently. Um, Maybe. Uh, you know, and yeah, yeah. I mean, does Padme... on what Leia's upbringing would have been. Does be Luke fair. have the... Does Leia have the empathy that Luke does? Maybe. And that's another thing is empathy, right? And that's kind of what I'm getting at with the whole parenting connection thing is, is it's Padme's empathy that ends up... Starts off being problematic but it's Pabe's empathy again on that, that star that saves him. So. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, it, it, I mean, I guess you're right. Red is, is very much. Yeah. Justice for Sabe. Justice, justice yes. for Sabe all the way. Greg Pock, amazing stuff with her, with her. Yeah. And, you and know, Johnson too. Anyway, sorry. Go ahead. I, I've always, I've always had to like, think of it as sort of like to me, they're two young people who are being very stupid and it's gonna be everyone's problem. Um it's a little bit what's happening there, yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, no, that, that is exactly what the, that their relationship kind of becomes mm-hmm. at the end. Um, you know, it is it is sort of, it is kind of more, it's both Attack of the Clones and a little bit of Phantom Menace, where it's sort of like, it confuses me. Let's so Attack of the Clones. There is, I I didn't want to, you know, mm-hmm. I, you know, I did, Jake Lloyd did not deserve anything that, you know, all the hate he got, and he was 100%, you know, I protect that kid with all tossed. But there is a part of me that always wondered, you know, if they had gotten maybe like a 14-year-old Anakin and like it was like two teenagers and, yeah. you know, you have this queen in hiding and he's kind of the one, he he is doing the, the Han Solo and I kind of think of like, oh, he's kind of different because he's he's an actual kind of person who's going to talk to me like a real person instead of all these officials and officers and chancellors. It's that like, is a little bit what happens too. Yeah, I think I think I think I think we do get that in more of Attack of the Clones a little bit more, where it's sort of like, you know, Anakin is kind of one of the few, you know, it's, it's kind of the you are the only people who can call me Padme, you know, like you're not your highness or senator. It's like no, only you can call me Padme. Uh, to quote Again, it, I think to, a little bit of that happens in Phantom Menace as well. A little bit, yeah. a little bit. They don't appear that much in Phantom Menace. That much, though. I, I've, I've, I've realized. I think they get like one really good scene afterwards where you talk about Mrs. Mom and he, he shows her the little, the little, the little yeah. thingy. Um, but yeah, it's, yeah. I mean, you know, but you know, it is, it is kind of the one that can't work. And to kind of, to yeah. kind of continue with the third big one. Oh boy, um, it. <laughs> Let's it go is, for it. Let's do it. I mean, all the romances <laughs> kind of have this thing, and it's probably because, again, they're all written by guys, of yeah. girl meets dude who is different from all the other people and kind of fascinates them and kind of goes into and kind of, and kind of, you know, uh, gives and kind of like intrigues a little bit. Um, now, obviously, the difference here, which is fine that we're talking about Rain Kylo finally, is, um, you know, they never date. Um, it's kind of funny how it's like they're in a relate. People talk about relationship. It's like, well, they're, they're not really ever in a relationship. They're always enemies. And eventually, after she, the only reason she kissed him is because she kind of, kind of brought her back to life for like five seconds and then he mm-hmm. died. Um, <laughs> um, you know, I guess you can say like maybe like, it's sort of like the first fling kind of a situation. It's a first fling situation. It's like, um, in terms of a romance, romance, um, kind of a situation. Um, and you know, I mean, you know, people always, you know, again, like I always said, why I get the other two is because, you know, these two are kind of the most powerful force users of their generation. There is sort of that, dynamic between them and also dyad a dyad in mm-hmm. the force one's um, a walker one's a palpatine you know <laughs> yeah yeah uh uh-huh. but you know beyond just that that stuff um mm-hmm. you know like that there is kind of that kin kinship there um again the age thing it's every all these romances have like an age problem um weirdly padme and anakin are Strangely, the one that bothers me the least, only because only like five he's... Years. <laughs> well, yeah, but you know, like that's my parents were five years. Yep. Where when you know it's not like they dated when they were teenagers. They were like my mom. They were both in out of college at that point. Um, in their twenties, like you know, if you're twenty, he's twenty five. Yeah, and at that point, like it doesn't. 
And also, I think, uh, again, with the timeline stuff, I, I do think originally the idea was, no, they're probably both supposed to be the same age, but then again, wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey stuff has happened. Mm-hmm. Talking about Rayleigh, uh, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, ter- yeah, uh, in terms of, yeah, in terms of yeah. Kylo's age and Ray's age, because he's, like, he's again 30, she's supposed to be 18. Um, yeah. But that's, I think that's more EU stuff and not the movie material kind of having a bit of an argument with themselves. But I won't get into it that much, and we're just going to talk about the movies sure. in and of themselves for a second. Um, and you know, I kind of, in a weird way, it is reverse Padme Anakin, except I don't think they could ever have the domestic happy life that some fans want. You mean but, reverse Fun Lay? No, it's reverse Padme Anakin because you know, at the end of the day, what does Ben Solo do? He's like, well, I know that I am not kind of wanted in the galaxy my parents both my parents are dead but i can give all my force energy to ray because let's face it and this is probably more than the novelization but i'm going to take the movie's interpretation too is his calculation is look i'd rather have a galaxy with ray in it mm-hmm. than me myself being alive you know so force mm-hmm. energy ray lives kyle's like okay ray's in the galaxy I don't need to be here dead. Um, which, you know, it is, it is kind of the interesting thing is he's attached to Ray, but in a sense, but, and this is where, you know, thematically, even if we can very much talk about the execution where I do think it's kind of interesting, mm-hmm. Ben Solo is able to outdo Anakin yeah. because where Anakin's like, I'm going to give in to the dark side to keep my wife alive and in my, you know, house. Ben Solo's like, I'm going to use the light side of the force, revive Ray because I don't want her to die. And I'm okay if I don't live because let's face it, I suck anyway. Um, so, but Ray doesn't suck and the galaxy's better off with her in it. She can go revive the Jedi Order New New Republic Two Electric Boogaloo. Yeah, I could be one with the Force and just be with my parents, happy. So, with my soul cleansed. Um, so you know that's that's why kind of like if Raylo is like the middle ground one for me. It's like if if Han and Leia are like the least toxic and Anakin and Padme are the most toxic, then it's like Raylo's in the middle. But on the other hand, they never get into a relationship really. Yeah. And he dies, and Ray. People have the weird kind of imp- kind of interpretation for her, but I think Ray Ray will remember Ben Solo, but she will also get on with her life and yeah. you know build the Jedi Order. She got her friends. She's not alone. She got a she got a she got a, she got a Jedi Order rebuild. She got to scavenge. Mm-hmm. She got text to read. Yeah, she yeah. got Force Ghost to chat with. She's she's gonna go on her life, and you know maybe no, the different kind of texts. <laughs> no, I don't think she's gonna. I don't think she's gonna go. She's gonna need to necessarily go world between worlds and like I'm gonna mm. save you, Ben Solo, and do no, get weird about it. Like not. if Ben Solo does come back, it's like, hey mm-hmm. Ray, I'm Force Ghost, I'm good. And by the way, I have some advice for you about this new threat. So here you go. Bye like, bye. Thanks, Ben. And then go on with her life. Yeah. Uh, so I'll just jump in here and say, you know, it's interesting. When you think of this, your mind goes to Ben and Ray, mm-hmm. and and especially what we see in that third act of, of Rise of Skywalker, that mm-hmm. that's that's where things come out. And you know, I can see they team up and they have a team up, and it's it is it does mm-hmm. go well. 
if we had gotten that Ben for a full film, if we'd gotten him even, you know, more of oh, him. Oh, it would have been nice. Don't worry. Yeah, yeah. I, I could, I could have, I could see it. It's usually it's called Raylo and not Ben Ray or, or I guess is it Ray Solo, Ray Kylo, right? I think and, it's, it's Ray Kylo because it's right. Kylo Ren. And and that one, that one, I, I is completely nonsensical to me. Uh, so what you're saying about Ben, yes, I get that. That that's that's there. That's that's a beautiful poetic. Uh, well, here's the thing, and I guess I'll I'll keep going. No, I mean this is this is Star Wars failed attempt to try an enemies to lover romance, but not have a definitive end game for it. True. Um, which is a yeah. which is a good trope. It's an interesting trope. My my favorite show of all time has that trope. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also between a man and a woman. And that causes problems, um, and I'm, and you know, without a necessarily a planned end game mm-hmm. for Ben Solo outside of Darth Vader style death redemption yeah. thing, then it doesn't really come off as great. But so I think the idea is like they start as enemies, they fall in love, and then Ben will turn to the light side and happily ever after. But let's yeah, say, I don't think that's ever going to work. Even then, I wouldn't have liked. It. I would have been like, I mean, I'm all on the side of Ben who needs to be responsible for what Kylo Ren did. I'm all, I'm all that part. And that was still part of my, my hanging up with Rise of Skywalker a little bit. I think the Raylo thing, but even this thing is Raylo. It develops probably even before the last Jedi definitely develops through the last Jedi. Yeah. I mean, we got the powerful forces of, of Ray trying to fix Kylo Ren and trying to be his savior in in a way that's different than the practical thing of, of Ben's parents, obviously. But closer to, to Padme trying to trying to yank Anakin back from the brink here. I it's I, I always thought it was really weird and problematic that people went for this. I'm sorry to be blunt about it, but it was like why like he, he gaslights her he says he puts her in a psychology. You're you're nothing except for me. Any sort of grasping of the hand would get her locked into this incredibly subjugated situation, and that's the thing with Ray. You know, yes, she's confident. And yes, she has strength, but her whole story is unlike unlike Leia, especially. Her whole story is she doesn't fully know where she fits. She has to find. Um, you know, you know, she she finds her family, she finds her people through through Leia and through through Finn and Poe, right? Especially, mm-hmm. uh, you know, she finds her people, but you know, Kylo is a real threat to her sense of self, a threat to her sense of integrity. That's not a situation where you want to go into. And so, I mean, I, I wonder if maybe it was kind of this sense of, oh, but what if we like to suspend our moral disbelief and say, I mean, that's something with Padme. I'm suspending my moral disbelief a little bit and saying, this is an interesting story of this flawed thing. Maybe if we got more of it, you know, we only get the third act of Rise of Skywalker. Um, you know, I, I get it. I mean, I can see a lot of it teased in the four Skypes mm-hmm. a little bit. Clearly there, she's drawn to him. Clearly there's an attraction. I'm not going to deny that, but I think. Well, I mean, and also let's face it, just as actors, 
Casey Ridley and Adam Driver do have some pretty good chemistry. Yeah, they do. The, all that they, I mean, they the performance is there. Oh yeah, I'm not right. denying that. I'm just saying, why do I, like like that's maybe I'm confused. Does Raylo mean that they think that this would be a good idea? <laughs> you know I mean, I guess it depends on like yeah. how people view Kylo Ren and Ben Solo with like the Vader Anakin thing all over again. And I'm I'm gonna be honest, I'm not in that person. Like I know, like right. yeah, Ray yeah. and Kylo got together, it would not be good. Um, yeah. Ray and Ben Solo got together, but we don't know. really get. And that's something we don't get really any Ben Solo. Who is Ben Solo? We don't know. Uh, we get a minute here. We get a moment of him, right? We get. I think we do get. And the more he lets himself be on with the, with the Force, mm-hmm. you know, in that when he's taking on the Knights of Ren, that, that's that's a cool moment. Like he's you know, he's on with a lightsaber. Sure, why not? Um, and even you know, again, opposite Anakin, where he actually does yeah. let go, and it's like, well, yes, I'm going to get the power to stop people from dying, but I'm going to sacrifice myself doing it. Yeah, because and again, I I do see that poetry, and I I I, I do appreciate the that poetry of it. Um, again, I it, I would have I think I would have liked it would have been even more poetic if he stayed alive somehow, but. I mean, I think um, we, I think we just all want Star Wars to give up on the death and re- re- yeah, redemption thing. True. And you know, and we we've we've <coughs> criticized Rise of Skywalker mm-hmm. way too much on well, not way too much, a lot on this podcast. So I, I can I can let that one go too. But yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I'll, I will say this though, right? It, it's I'll, I'll will admit, you know, Raylo, it's not out of nowhere. That much I will say. Um, it's it's teased. It's the energy, the 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 nuclear buildup is there. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just JJ doesn't quite, like you said. I mean, this there is an enemy still over trope. Star Wars hasn't really done it, I don't think, um, yet. Maybe I hope they do enemies to lovers soon. Yeah, I mean, it's possible. Well, I mean, that well, that's that's one of the that's the queer ship we'll get to in a bit. Uh, that's enemies to lovers if they do it convincingly. Um, but yeah, it, Raylo, it, it's interesting. It just, I, I, I'm curious. I, I, I'd like to ask. I have, maybe I haven't had the kind of conversations with Raylo. So I'm like, oh, this is so toxic. Why would, why would they want? This? What do, what did they see? What are they hoping for? But I don't understand it. <laughs> so. I mean, you know, I probably wouldn't have been happy. I mean, like, you know, if I feel like the conversation would be different if, even if we never got anything else, mm-hmm. if like. Ben Solo would just put in like a cell, but like yeah. alive and like at peace, like not just like you know. I I think there is like a there's like a, a weird. I mean, this is like the this is the fandom fanfic <laughs> thing, um, of like you know fanfic happy domestic lives, you know that sort of thing with Ben and Ray, and then there's like dual fate where they're just enemies and they kill each other. Um, and I feel like the conversation would be different if like. Ben had lived, but he was in a jail cell, so at least you can kind of get some atonement. And, you know, they would probably have some sort of... Maybe they're not like, you know, they're not in the hallway just kissing each other. It's like, here's my boyfriend, Ben Solo. <laughs> um, but, you know, it'd be like at least he's trying. She's kind of... She's a little iffy about him still, but, you know, he could, he's still trying. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he's... Because I, I would assume that if he had lived, he would want to try and atone. I get yeah. the sense he probably... That's, I would hope so. Um, 
I'm not gonna, you know, I feel like the conversation would be very different if he had just lived. He would be if, almost, he'd be, he'd be in Carmen in a way. I mean, he'd be in this very vulnerable situation where he has to depend on other people for his well being. I mean, yeah, I mean, that, again, it would have been interesting. It would have been an interesting story. It's, it's the problem of, you know, I don't want to say not having a plan because I don't, again, I am someone who kind of is in camp. They didn't need a plan, they just needed a third movie right. that could. You know, tie all the loose threads together, which I know it sounds like you should have a plan, but it's sort of like no, you just need kind of more of a of a of a steady hand, which I you know sadly Abrams is just not that for for uh, a third part. Um, mm-hmm. and, but you know, if had, if he had just lived, I think there just people would have at least been happy for like you could do more with it, kind of like with yeah. Khan and Leia, and even trying to do stuff with Padme, Anakin. Um, yeah, so that's that's that. Do you want to get into the? I'll just in- say one more thing about this. Sorry, this is a, this is a good point to bring up, right? Okay. Yeah, is you ahead. whenever you give a female character, like they almost give Ahsoka a female, uh, give Ahsoka a male love interest. Mm-hmm. Whenever you do that, you risk reducing her, but yeah. also not necessarily. I think um, depends, right? I mean, that's Again, the Ben would have had to be in and- this vulnerable situation where. Mm-hmm he'd be in prison and he'd have to depend on the connection with, uh, with, with Ray for him to, and with everybody. Uh, one thing that kind of makes me think of, um, uh, Jedi, uh, in, in phase two, the horrible Gellin Atai and, uh, uh, Axel Greylark, a little <coughs> bit. Yeah, but Axel yeah, they, they got, there's some, there's some interesting. No, she's a Jedi. So it's a little different, but, Hey, raise a Jedi too. Well, that's that's. I mean, that's the whole thing we've talked about. This Gela is a Jedi during the heyday of the Order. So, that's true. Yeah, sure. Ray uh, hasn't so chased I... the Val yet, but no. I mean, you're right. I mean, there is a little bit of Raylo in 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 um. Well, what's his face in in Greylark a little bit, you're even down sure. to constantly betraying them. And um, yeah. although he although you know he kind of. In a weird way, that book kind of weirdly is kind of the best of, well, maybe not the best of both worlds, but like mm-hmm. kind of what I think would have been maybe a little bit more mm-hmm. interesting if, if you know, Ed Carey had gotten to live and they decided to keep and not go full on Duel of the Fates. It's like not Ray and Kylo getting together. It's like, oh, here's my boyfriend, Ray. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, you know, kind of. Ben at least has his mom now, you know, at least he can kind of rely on her, um, Mm -hmm. obviously. And that's also one of the problems, that would have been another big problem with kind of putting Ben in the hero's camp after the movie is like, he's kind of isolated if he only got Ray, where it's like, um, you know, it's like he he should have prevented, he got, he's not, you know, like he, he could have prevented Finn and then Poe and then like have a little bit more of a community around him because now that's sort of the big thing about, Mm -hmm redemption and i think i don't want to make this too much about redemption but kind yeah, of romance and redemption are kind of, but i do think community mm-hmm. is a very important yeah. aspect of that and having some sort of community behind mm-hmm. you but again i won't keep going to that if you I want think... me to say something quickly about something oh yeah sure well what, what did you want me to talk quickly about <laughs> oh no no I, I i just wanted to talk about i was i, I don't remember i was just talking about Greylark and the high republic stuff yeah yeah uh, so especially in in cataclysm uh, I right. mean, like when they like yella and i think it's creighton go break him out of the prison mm-hmm. and then he's yeah he's going back the, the path anyway 
that's a spoiler for Cataclysm if you haven't read it yet. I don't know if you have yet, Joel. But anyway, I, I read both of those ones. I've read both yeah. Cataclysms, and yeah, we did it. But, but um, so yeah, I guess we should go to the non uh uh the non uh movie stuff. Let's actually uh yeah, we got some time. Let's let's talk about Hera and Caden for a second, yeah. if we don't mind. Because I think Hera and Caden mm-hmm. are interesting. Yeah, very interesting. And- Oh, go okay. ahead. Well, I, I was going to say, the thing that makes them interesting, frankly, mm-hmm. to me, is here's the first example. Like, like Bring the Thray, right? Mm-hmm. In contrast to Anakin, in contrast to uh, well, to, to Gela and Avar and Elzar and them, and in contrast to uh, <coughs> uh, Quinlan, you know, mm-hmm. the order is gone. <laughs> there's, there's the, you know, the, the, the community, the family that... Mm-hmm. They're they meant to be more of it, make themselves available to is gone. Uh, mm-hmm. and so what do you do? You find who you can when you can, right? Parentals, exactly. Uh, it It's actually, and it this is, I had this funny moment. So, season two of Discovery and season four of Rebels happen, I think it's season two of Discovery, season one or two of Discovery and season mm-hmm. four of Rebels happen about the same time, right? I ended up loving season three and four of Star Trek Discovery. I don't really adore them. Can't wait for season five. Um, but season one, there's this wonky moment. You know, I mean, here's the thing. I talk about, and this thing I've said this before. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm good with a romance story. I'm good even more now that I've worked on myself a lot more. Mm-hmm. I'm good with characters second face all of a sudden if it's built up, if mm-hmm. it's led to, and if I can, we can see it happening and. There is, well, first with, with uh, Michael and what's his face, the guy who's the Klingon impersonating the Klingon. That's like under the spoiler. It's it's com- season one is a, of Discovery is a mess. <laughs> anyway, um, I've always heard that. Like, and at some heard- point, they're sucking face, and I don't get it. Like, mm-hmm. where did this come from? Mm-hmm. Even season three with with uh, book, I don't quite get that. Mm-hmm. But then. Season four of Rebels happens at the same time. Mm-hmm. And all through this series, mm-hmm. there's this banter back and forth. You know, that moment in Trials of the Dark Saber, not Trials of the, yeah, Trials of the Dark Saber, mm-hmm. where she's all, Are we parenting Sabine well? You know, uh, all that. Um, you know, just just the way they just know each other and see each other, and even just given given the the origins of this shady former Jedi who's on the run, and Hera's this rebel, this heir to this rebel leadership. I'm talking about the, a new doll in the novel by John Zucker Miller, by the way. But but especially in Rebels, then where they've how far they've come, uh, just again the banter, the connection, the responsibility that they've taken on mm-hmm. for taken on together right mm-hmm. this family that they've built together mm-hmm. for them to finally get a moment for each other was so satisfying mm-hmm. so wonderful and it's one of the we have one of the one of the best kisses on screen in star wars i think is, is when they finally get that moment and you know to see to see jason uh in the cockpit at the end of rebels and then of course in ahsoka uh yeah and i'll just say about kanan mm-hmm. you know it's funny we talk about you know kanan the Jedi without the order, mm-hmm. but even though he's married, though he literally has a kid, even though he literally, you know, did, did the did the intercourse, 
This is where I think people get Did the intercourse. Sorry. <laughs> this is where I think <laughs> that I think people really mix um no attachment the no attachment rule mm-hmm. with like marriage and you know relationships. Not that mm-hmm. I say, I mean obviously yes, obviously yes, the, the the monk thing does they they do literally have, like take a vow like don't do that. Don't yeah. get married, don't have the but I think in like its most basic mm-hmm. form mm-hmm. The idea is with no attachments, Anakin had attachments because he couldn't let go of Padme. He literally yeah. did not want her to die. He wanted to hold on to her like a doll. Caden, mm-hmm. uh, you know, he loves Hera. He loves his family. He loves the Rebel crew very much. But he knows that, you know what, I both in terms of like themselves making a sacrifice and himself making the sacrifice, mm-hmm. like he might not like it. But he might like, like you know, worry about Hera. You know, we we all gonna worry about our friends. But he knows, like you know, like I think he'd be like, if Hera dies, mm-hmm. I know she died on her own terms because that's mm-hmm. exactly what Hera would do. True. And but, if, you know, in that final moment, he's like, hey, I can do this. If I die, I get to keep you guys get to be safe. Yeah. You know, so it's like it's not like it's not like a selfish thing. It's just like yeah, you know, like if Hera died or if Ezra died, mm-hmm. you know, they they did it because they needed to do it. But also, here I am. I'm gonna let. I'm gonna, you know, keep you guys safe. I'm gonna do the most Jedi thing ever and yeah. sacrifice myself to keep you guys, my friends and family, and loved ones alive. Which weirdly, that's why I think makes Kane one of the best Jedi because you know mm-hmm. he 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 does do the Jedi thing. He, you know, he let go, but not in like a you know oh let let go, but you know just like yeah, I gotta I gotta right. do what's right, and he did what's right. He he lets go purposefully, right? Yeah. Not he doesn't give up, right? Right. He lets go. I mean, and, and I mean that's the funny. The force rewards it, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the last thing he sees is Maul's lightsaber bashing, slashing his eyes out. Mm-hmm. It's Hera, and it, it's it's that attachment again. I think what I maybe what your point is that we make too much of uh, detachment equals celibacy. When that was the practicality of the arrangement, when the order was a hundred thousand strong, and you could always go to a temple and be assigned to a temple and have a master, have a padawan, have whatever, have have your group of padawans, have your group of knights. Um, and I'm not saying if you there, make that vow, it's a bad thing again. Or, you know, the, no, no. My point monk, being, but... my point being is, is it made so much, it made perfect sense. Actually, mm-hmm. it made a lot of sense, especially oh, yeah. like the Pathfinder teams going bring back to phase two, right? Mm-hmm. Um, You'll always have these connections. You're just free to go and do what you need to do, mm-hmm. uh, and be available to whoever, right? Right. And, and it just it no longer makes sense. And that's that's the it's it's just that it no longer makes sense when the order is the way it is. Here's the interesting real world example. Here is you know just bringing the day job and thinking about this. <laughs> yeah. Um. You know, so. Yeah, so I mean, my church, anybody, any clergy can get married, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of Eastern churches, priests are married. For Roman Catholics, it, it is interesting. There are conversations about in more isolated areas, in the Amazon, especially, there was a big, huge conversation about okay, we'll be encouraged because there's not a lot of priests in the Amazon. And that's, and the people there really do want priests. They do want, 
want their liturgies and they will, they're, they're, there's some things that priests can do that most people can't and so you know that they really the people that really want them um it will it be more likely to, to draw people if they can get married if they can have their spouse there have their wife there mm -hmm. so there's that conversation that's a possibility right for you know clerical celibacy is only something that started happening a thousand years ago because um because there were complications in terms of property rights and you know you know inheritance and things like that that was really it it's my point being it's a practical arrangement that does have you know spiritual dimension to it to say mm -hmm. being available being open being focused on something you know i mean that's another thing you know that that Christians and Buddhists and, and a lot of religions uphold is actually these relationships will end. We will die. Uh, this is a, here's, here's a foretaste next week. We are, we're all going to die one day. Our marriages, our relationships are, you don't got your Exegol clone ready to go. <laughs> I do not. <laughs> I do not. And if I do, I hope no one, there's no woman who thinks that's an acceptable arrangement. Good <laughs> 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 grief. Uh, and to say, okay, why not? I mean, part of the part of the point of celibacy is to say, okay, well, what about there's some good things about those things, the eternal things about celibacy that would, um, you, know, you know, that we can we can appreciate now and and mm -hmm. and whatnot. It's to say it's not absolute, and again, it, there are contexts where it makes sense. Mm -hmm. There. Are, you know, there's a thousand years of, of tradition behind it and weight of tradition behind it for, for one church and happens mm -hmm. to be the largest in the world. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, it's, it, it's just, a, it, it's a bit more of a practical and it emerged from a practical thing. So when Canaan, again, Canaan and Hera second face, I loved it because it was, <laughs> I don't always say that, but. I, I want to read a comment if you don't mind. Uh, uh, biggest reason Hera and Canaan work is that they are parents more than they are a couple. If that makes sense, like we don't need to see them date on see the relationship develop. I mean, yeah, they're kind of. Yeah. Although I think I guess in John Jackson Miller, the New Dawn, that's that 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 is the story where they kind yeah. of are at the beginning. But by the time you get to Rebels, it's like now they got it. They got it pretty much figured out. They like they got the, they got the routine going. They're the couple who like yeah. they got it. They they don't need to be like the young teenagers. And that's the biggest thing about Star Wars mm. with the with the three big with the big three that we talked about sure. compared to Hera and Kanan is that I think not only are they doing romance, they're doing young love romance. I know yeah. it's weird to think about with Han and Leia, but they you know, in the context of the that's the original trilogy, yeah, they're the young ones, you know, they're them youngins. They're them youngins, you know, even though they look more like our parents. Um yeah. Phantom Mass and Attack prequels, you know, yeah, very much two young idiots who make it everybody's problem and yeah. the um, and then with you know ray and kylo ren slash ben solo yeah there, there is that kind of young dumb stupid teenagers even though technically kylo is in the in the actual lore is 30 but we're writing him like a teenager because i think that was the idea at the time but you know i do well ray when Hera and kaden it's like it's not young love it's they're middle-aged parents now right. they're like they just enjoy each other's company and all yeah. they need is a good coffee I mean, so the reason behind for that, this is a segue to our last 
pair. I don't think we should should move on to that. Is uh, oh unofficial pair. Let's make that clear. Yeah, we're shipping. This is this is our ship. I mean, I, I that this these these are two possible ships coming up here. Um, <coughs> Architects and a vendor. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> can make that joke. Um, that they're not the main characters. Harry and Kane are not the main characters of the show. Mm-hmm. You know, Anakin, Padme, uh, Han, Leia. I mean, Luke, Han, Leia. Uh, Rain, Kylo, they're the main characters because Star Wars is, of course, primarily for younger people. Mm-hmm. And the main characters in Rebels, uh, they're a little too young. Uh, at this point, there's a bit more of a sibling dynamic at this point, but uh, yeah, you know, Sabine, yeah, Sabine's just not, I mean, she's just not interested in anyone at this point, I don't think. And so, yeah, it is more of a, that romance story doesn't come in to play. I mean, it also doesn't come into play with Ahsoka and Clone Wars. Again, Solid Jedi. But, uh, yeah, you know, there's a reason, that's the reason why we don't get, one of the reasons why we don't get parenting drama, right? So, anyway, uh, there's the segue. Can can I take the segue? I'll take the segue. Sure. Um, The ship, so there's there's two two shipping Ooh. here, two shipping lanes. Get the tech box. <laughs> I'm going to I'll keep making a joke. Um, so we know that Sabine and Shin are on Perodia mm-hmm. together, uh, and and I'll I'll let you talk about that. And then you bring up. Uh, I when I saw Sabine and Ezra on the that that truck there going along, the yeah it was the banter. And I'm good. I'd be good with this. I'd be fine with it. I kind of see it, frankly. Um, yeah, there's the banter. Yeah, they have this history as the sibling thing where they're in the middle of this war and there was they had other things to do, kind of thing. Uh, and they were they were the sibling family. Nine, they've been you know nine years apart, long time apart. They've grown up. They've understood themselves better. Ezra has been without any kind of human contact for a long time. And so, yeah, I, I, I can see the better. Now okay. they're separate again, of course, we shift flipped, but yeah. Yeah. Um, that's okay. Uh, yeah. So I can see Sabine and Ezra. I can see them if they're able to meet up sooner. That's the problem. And so that's part one of the problems. I do think Sabine and Shin is interesting. So I'll let you talk more about them. Yeah, you know, I think, um, well, I mean, you know, we don't know what direction they're going to take the, these two. There's clearly some paralleling going on. You mm-hmm. know, you don't you don't get those two looking at each other the same way without either uh, some sort of, uh, you know, uh, what's the word? So it's some, some sort of like, they kind of know what they're doing. Or at least the actors and actresses do. Whether it's not planning. Whether or not, well, I don't even know if it's for far playing. I mean, although I do think like Dave probably has like a general idea of what he wants to do with Shin. Yeah, I don't know if it's necessarily romantic, but I definitely think he got an idea. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one thing that kind of helps. Is like you, you kind of have the one creative person kind of you know at least maybe got somewhat of an end game for Shin, even if it's not necessarily you know yeah. them two smooching. Uh, you know, sucking face. The word is sucking face. That's the phrase. <laughs> um, and you know, you know, we'll probably have uh, 
a, a more a more a podcast and people guests who probably are a bit more qualified to talk about this than I am. But you know, as a big fan of my favorite show, she run the Princess of Power, which is an enemies to lovers uh, story arc written by LGBTQ plus people. So there's there's one thing uh, again. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there is something to be said about when you do enemies to lovers when it's female on female there are certain dynamics that are different than male female enemies to lovers relationship there's just you know it's a, as they call it a sapphic relationship as my my friends would call it um mm-hmm. you know again we don't know what if that is the direction it will go for sure you know they this there was you know there's certainly you know sabine and shin they had an interaction, but there's not like they were getting to know each other kind of a situation. Yeah. It was just kind of more they confronted each other in the beginning and in the middle. Um, but then obviously kind of Shin kind of goes her own way. There's a little bit where it's Ahsoka's like, hey, you can join us. I know you don't, I know you're kind of confused. We, we'll offer our friendship, you know, but Shin's still in kind of that. I don't know what to do, but I'm out of here. Like, I don't know what yeah. to do. I'm not quite sure what my place in all this is. And she, for some reason, she decides to become part of the the, 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 the bounty hunter tribal people while Balin goes off and finds Morris gods to hmm. talk to the manager. Has that, I need to talk to the, I need to talk to the father, please, about this whole force thing. Um, yeah. Very talk to the manager vibes with him. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think, I mean, people do shift them because obviously the parallels are there. They're the apprentices to these Jedi masters from the age before. They're both young. Mm-hmm. They're, they're, you know, they're both kind of unsure of what to do. Sabine kind of finds her place by the end. Yeah. Shin's still going on her journey very much. So she's probably not sure. I mean, she might, she might link up back with the Empire again for all we know. But there is certainly, I think people latch on to that because it's like, okay, you got the parallels already. There's also just, I think there's some chemistry between them. People like LGBT, you know, lesbian romances, especially, and enemies to lovers is kind of an online, it's kind of a trope that fans really eat up and romantically. Um, we've seen it, but I've seen it. None of my favorite shows have it for sure. Mm-hmm. So there's already so that is why I think that ship very much is people latch onto it very much so. Um, whether or not again it is the the end goal or just the the right now it's all projection. I'm going to just say that out. Yeah. it's very projection, especially because we don't really know what's going to happen. Maybe season two might you know get more into that. You know, with season mm-hmm. two kind of not even being written i do wonder if dave's looking at that and going well maybe i can tweak find a way to kind of get it but i still want to do this particular thing um mm-hmm. you know which again i think again this is well i don't think necessarily having one creative overall or even a plan would have saved the sequel or you know or not i do think this will help at least kind of guide them uh these characters sabine and shin in terms of where they want to go uh yeah. it's really nice to have some more lgbtq writers in the writer's room but um yeah, you know, and again, this I think the chemistry, you know, we kind of hope that when if Shin, I think, and also I think it's not a situation of, I mean, this is where I think Brenda Ray look, it's, it's the problematic where this so far hasn't gone this way. It's like, 
Sabine doesn't really care about fixing Shin or interested. I don't think Sabine no. is even that interested in Shin right now. But mm. I do. I want to. But I do think that if you put those two together in a room and they start talking. You never know. You never know, you know? And, and that's why yeah. I think what people... I think that's what people want right now. It's like, they just want those two stuck together and see what happens. I think they want those two to, like, maybe form a bond or something. Just kind of, like, get those two together in a room and see what happens, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that's where that comes from. I think that's kind of... I do hope at least that's sort of the next step myself in terms of, like, because clearly they do have something. Like, I don't want to say they have something, because I don't really have something... But you can kind of see the way they fight. It's like, there's something there. Or at least there, you could maybe see something. It's like, what yeah. happens if she's not all mad and just they're not trying to kill each other? Like, what will happen? So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, yeah. I think that's I think that's what people want to see right now is like, you know, to kind of make an unofficial joke. Um, it is kind of the callous Zeb ship that everybody loves, even though it's not really a ship, but everyone loves to pretend it is. Like, here's my husband, Callus. Um, but, uh, you know, it is kind of... But I, but like Callus and Zeb, I think people want that moment where it's like, you know, Callus and Zeb, they tried to kill each other in season one and two, yeah. but then that one episode... There's an enemy to lovers in Star Wars. Well, I mean, it's, it is the closest. But, you know, yep. there is that is kind of that thing of like, these two had to work together, and then Callus kind of realized, oh, yeah, maybe the Empire ain't all that. Yeah. Although they didn't really go all the way with it, but you know what I mean. I think we yeah, want they started there. There's some pretty clear. I'll say there, there, and it is interesting. We're, we're thinking about the contrast between Ray and Kylo, and I'm wondering why. But I'll think about why. But I mean, it is just a, well, yeah. I mean, I guess because it's like dark side user last dark side user we're thinking about in terms of a ship maybe that's what it is i know red mentioned one of the differences with the the um differences in the dynamic there i think i can think of two one of them is similar to what you have said in that uh like shin shin isn't really evil on her own that's she's true. she's kind of she's just part of what balan's doing <laughs> and what balan is doing it seems kind of we don't fully know they're mercenaries. Yeah, they're with Thrawn, but they're kind of doing their own thing. We don't fully know what they're on about. There's again, the real world Taylor's, question. I need to talk to the manager, the father, Mortis. Yeah, there's the real world question. Yeah, and they're going for power. Mm -hmm. And for, yeah, and that, I think Balin is a little more more explicitly dark side evil weird weirdness going on. Um, but, you know, you know, I think, um, sorry, I'm trying to get my train of thought here. You know, well, there's the real world question of what they do with Balin. Mm -hmm. You know, there's that. Uh, but also, yeah, I mean, Shin. So the, there's two things that, yeah, two things that are are interesting. Yeah. Shin, again, she isn't evil on her own. She's part of this group. Maybe because she's on Peridia now, cut off from Thrawn, cut off from, well, Morgan's dead. <laughs> cut off from the, the kind of what her the gig was the gig is over uh she's now free to actually make her own choices more mm -hmm. and yeah she was I, mean, I think there is the moment where she's tempted right uh so that's kind of what i'm getting at there <laughs> yeah, um but also i think to pick up more on what you're mentioning you know there there is this different dynamic right mm -hmm. what we've talked about a lot in these when we talk about toxic dynamics with these relationships, there is the the, the gendered power dynamic, right? Mm -hmm. Toxic masculinity. 
there just isn't that here. There isn't those historic dynamics at play. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that creates more freedom for them to actually pursue something that's that's maybe healthy and interesting. The question will be, how will that affect the relationship between Ahsoka and Sabine? Will will that introduce... <coughs> I mean, will it not necessarily introduce something like a, a temptation for Sabine to go to the dark side or anything, but mm-hmm. will it introduce a complication to her focus? Will it require Ahsoka to evaluate her her approach to attachment and non-attachment as she's been having to evaluate all through season one? Mm-hmm. One of the things... I mean... One of the reasons, you know, she uh, she wasn't willing to train Grogu. She stopped training Sabine. Uh, you know, she you know, she doesn't join up with Luke's Praxium. You know, she's very much on her own. And and of course, season one, she really confronts that. Right? She confronts the way mm-hmm. her attachment to Anakin, Anakin's attachment to her, led what was she felt guilty about the way that led her led him to the dark side she's confronted that she's released herself from the responsibility of it and she chooses to live it'll be yeah to see what yeah what ahsoka's response to this is see if it contrasts with balin or whoever you know or or the sun or who knows what um maybe maybe <laughs> this would be interesting maybe it's it's balin who's against shin pairing up and ahsoka's in favor of it you know, an extra pair of hands. Again, it could lead to, I mean, really the way complications are complications. Right. Um, in, in, you know, just getting the powerful forces at play or an extra set of hands to get them off the rock. You never know. You know, it, it's also possible. So I have a few, I, I'm sorry, you know, we're going on, but I have a few like things I want to just mention. Uh, first off, yeah. yes, Red, I, I was in a She-Ra with all my She-Ra friends. We were all Shabine all the way. Yeah. Um, but also, you know, something about Shin that I think is um, different from Kylo. I mean, Kylo slash Ben and mm-hmm. Anakin. And it's something, you know, Red talked about here about, you know, the whole First Order. Mm-hmm. First Order situation right here a little bit is, yeah. you know, I, I don't want to, like, take away any personal responsibility Shin has for her actions. Mm-hmm. But unlike Anakin, unlike Ben, they grew up in the moral light side before falling, they very much, you know, they mm-hmm. made that choice of like, you know, I had a good life and then, you know, I'm going to toss it all away for evil. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, and, you know, you can say they had their reasons, but, you know, it's like, they still made that choice. Yeah. I get the sense with Shin and we won't know until we know. I have a feeling Shin wasn't given a choice. I feel like I always kind of get the sense that Balin found Shin either as a little kid Mm-hmm. Or like maybe even as a baby and kind of just raised her to be this. And she mm-hmm. kind of has no option but to be kind of a feral, for lack of a sorry to use this word, feral, the feral attack dog. Kind of kind of like Darth Maul in a sense. A little bit of Darth Maul. And, yeah. and obviously, you know, you can't, you know, just take away responsibility for her own actions. Even Maul has to like eventually like, you know, hey, Maul, you kind of brought this on yourself, buddy. But there's always that little tragedy is to... Mm-hmm of you know you weren't you did not kind of choose this life mm-hmm. it it kind of found you and engulfed you and maybe she's stuck in it and maybe that's yeah. maybe that's at least in terms and like kind of like maybe a little bit like mill ventures had a good jedi life for a little bit but like uh unlike but like maybe like kind of like ventures to a certain extent um mm-hmm. uh you know it, uh 
you know, he yeah. can like he maybe like realize, oh, this this uh, toxic environment I grew up in isn't good. Maybe mm-hmm. Sabine and her gang maybe are kind of a and nice, nicer. Different. And Ahsoka obviously are the nicer places mm-hmm. to go. I'm going to help them mm-hmm. uh, instead of my master, who I have weird relationships with, but kind of respect. But at the same time, dude, I got to realize you're toxic. But yeah, that's my final point. I yeah. know we're going long. I'm sorry. Yeah, we'll wrap up. That's okay. I mean, yeah, I mean, I think we we could talk about it. There's a whole bunch we could talk about. Uh, you know, we mentioned Avar and Elzar. Mm-hmm. Um, Do you have Kelly. anything for Paper Cannon before we before we wrap up? I feel like we. I mean, again, we could just quickly go through them. Uh, things that come to mind in your notes. I mean, you have Avar and Avar and Elzar. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I mentioned uh, Gela and and Axel a little bit. That was, that was interesting. That came to mind. Mm-hmm. I mean, High Republic is all over it, it. It's, they've really just really gone for it mm-hmm. in, in a way that's so, in a way that's compelling, convincing, really mm-hmm. interesting. I mean, I talked about how Ezra and Sabine with Ezra and Sabine, they just don't for either of those characters, not for each other. And they, I don't think they would have for each other in, in rebels, but even, you know, nobody, you don't see any guy come up to Sabine at a bar or whatever, you know, she's just too busy blowing up stormtroopers. Yeah. Whereas these Padawans and young knights, or just not not the young knights, these Padawans in in High Republic, they're just going all over the place. It's amazing. It, it's actually, it becomes, it shows that this is a part of who we are, and that's why, mm-hmm. even as single dudes, we're, we're celebrating this this day and we're thinking about this day. You know, the, you know, and yes, with due respect to everyone on the A spec, and um, oh, yeah. you know that that's a part of who they are. Uh, this this whole question these kinds of attachments you know part of who people are and so yeah high republic you know, the way and the freedom especially the way these younger these kids are able to to explore and to uh, express themselves even in that's the thing in the the era the the masters recognize it makes sense for padawans to go and explore stuff and then for them and it's part of them testing are they actually meant to be knights is the force actually willing them to knighthood or not and one of the ways they test that is are you able to give up this Mm -hmm. kind of attachment and that that is interesting that they actually it's not that they're forced it's that they're they come to a character moment a character point and for most of them it's kind of inevitable and most of them it's not like that big of a challenge I think, I mean, Cena Morella in High Republic Adventures at this point in, in phase three, like now with, with, with Zine, Zine Morella, Zine and, um, oh goodness, why am I blanking? Lula, Lula. But what's interesting with Lula and, and nothing with Lula, and I'm wondering, I don't know, probably not with Fern, maybe with Avar, the Fall of Starlight Beacon. Fall of Starlight Beacon is, um, it's interesting. It really has this effect. Where does this impact? I think the Fall of Starlight Beacon is going to impact now that Avar and Elzar have reunited. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, after after Eye of Darkness. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, the you know that that might be. I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen there. They're both masters, so that's going to that would be complicated. But Zine uh, Zine and Lula. Lula's completely gone off the deep end. She's not really part of the order. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, 
that's the thing in a healthy context yeah and and john paul did too and mm-hmm. um you know there are healthy ways of there there that's another thing about celibacy right there's there's healthy ways of actually getting them there right to be there um because it's understood that that's just part of what for roman catholic priests it's just part of what it is mm-hmm. and so there there's still the supports and the attachments mm-hmm. friendships right anyway oh, yeah. um to say how public if you want some really well written teen romance uh, even even I, I I connect to just as connecting to these characters these really well written characters yeah and lost uh-huh. art don't forget lost stars and of course lost I mean Claudia Gray I mean that's that's the <laughs> that's the 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 gold standard that's the, I think that's the gold standard for a Star Wars novel it's a gold standard for how to do romance in Star Wars. That's enemies. Well, not really enemies to lovers, but man, that's friends to enemies to lovers, kind of. That well, that's I mean, that's childhood friends, and the, man, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's... That's because we could do a whole episode on that one. Uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, I mean, I will, I will read that book, and then we will do a whole episode for sure. And but it's interesting. I'll say one last thing then. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Okay, I ahead. mean, there's a lot about lost stars that really needs to pick up, pick back up. There's a lot of lost star about lost stars. Mm-hmm. That they just haven't done as well. Yeah, again, uh, High Republic has done a lot of good stuff. It still hasn't hit the height the Lost Stars hit. And then on screen, really hasn't hit the height that Lost Stars has. So, yeah, sorry. Anyway, that, that's my last point. Uh, uh, yeah, so I, I think that's it. I guess well, just to kind of sum up everything, mm-hmm. Star Wars and romance. Has it ever has it been good? Yeah, I mean that's what happens when you write space operatic romance. That's in terms of the films and the TV sides a little bit. That's what happens when you write space operatic romance, mostly written by guys. Um, Does it mean good? It's complicated. It's complicated. <laughs> it's complicated. It's messy. I mean, you know, I'll just say this. Um, regard of you know, in terms of just love itself, love is complicated, and I hope one day we get. A writer, director, you know, mm-hmm. hopefully, you know, who can really like with like a lot of stars, but also maybe in a different sense, really write just a the complexities of love and the, the deep, messy, messy emotions that come with it, you know, in terms of like, yeah, yeah I mean, you know, sometimes but in a mature way of through it is the thing, right? <laughs> yeah, you know, and it, where it doesn't come off either as your okay toxic relationships or you know um you know or you know just kind of like oh now he's good uh, like you mm-hmm. know oh he's light side light side he, he turned on the he turned off the evil switch um uh but you know yeah it, it, and you know it's complicated star wars hasn't been great at it i think honestly the best romances are either the ones without romances or where it is kind of kate and hera they're just parents at this point yeah. um but yeah, that has been kind of the. Oh yeah, one more thing. Sorry, I gotta talk about the best romance of all Star Wars, Akbar and Winter. <laughs> Legends fans, nice. Akbar and Winter. Um, but yeah, I don't I, even know who Winter is. <laughs> Just that's, that that, that's like Leia's. That was Leia's like confidant friend oh, in Legends. Nice. Okay. Uh, she kind of like also a big spy and kind of Jason and Jane's nanny. <laughs> um, but anywho, yep, that is the complexities. 
of romance in Star Wars. Thank you all for coming. Thank you, Red, especially for all the great insight and comics. We loved hearing from you. Uh, come back next week. The next week will be a very interesting topic. And do you want to say, Massey, what our next week topic is? Well, so I'll do the normal normal outro here. Um, okay. Yeah. Well, okay. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll do that. Then. Yeah. No, so we're, no, I'll do the normal outro. Yeah. So again, uh, Echo, thanks for, for everyone. And, and I agree. Yeah. Thanks for your interactions in the comments. Uh, yeah. A lot of, a lot of insights, a lot of things we can get into. Um, I'm curious to know, you know, if, if you're if you're married in a relationship, uh, let us know what what you you how you react to Star Wars and the big three and the big three trilogies, but also all over the canon. Um, in the comments below, comments aren't going anywhere, right there in the YouTube and Facebook and Twitter and Twitch, etc. Um, so let us know either at Iron Cannon Pod or at mm-hmm. S- the SWU or you know, here on this underworld YouTube page. Um, yeah, we can follow us uh, at iron cannon pod, E Y E O N C A N O N P O D, uh, on Twitter, Instagram, and threads specifically, Joel, where can they find you on the internet? You can find me at JID 2021 again, JID 2021 on Twitter. And of course at the ion cannon pod again, at the ion cannon, at pod. Ion cannon pod, not at the, on, ion. Sorry. Right. at the ion cannon pod on Twitter. And, of course, you can always find me on the Star Wars Underworld Discord, where I will always reply. I didn't actually get any replies. Oh, well, next time. We'll, we'll, we'll keep up, keep the challenge up. We'll keep the challenge up next week. Uh, yeah. At Iron Cannon Pod, E-Y-E-O-N-C-A-N-O-N-P-O-D. Bit of a mouthful, that's fair. Um, yeah, you can follow me on Instagram and threads at M-N-A-U-G-1138. Um, talking about Taylor Swift winning the Super Bowl. Uh, is the thing that happened. Uh, sort of. Uh, Twitter, NEG485. Again, at Ion Cannon Pod, yeah, Twitter, Instagram, and Threads. Uh, again, next week. So, uh, also, well, should mention Tractor Beam this Wednesday, right here on the Star Wars Underworld YouTube channel. If you haven't given this video a like, please do share it, share it widely. Give this channel a subscription, uh, just free, hit that button, or you know, YouTube, YouTube memberships. We, we got that too. Uh, please do do consider supporting us as well. Um, yeah, ne- this week on the Tractor Beam, Wednesday, 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. If you have nothing better to do, if you do have something better to do, please do that. But if you have nothing else better to do on Wednesday night, you're welcome to join us uh, 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific, talking comics, giving our thoughts, giving our comic reviews. Um, yeah, so until then, next week, next week, Ash Wednesday, uh, is Wednesday. We'll be into the season of Lent. Where I'm going full bore. I'm going to talk about. I'm going to. Have, I think I'm just thinking about an extended theology time, just reflecting on on death in Star Wars and, and Lent and letting go of the power of our lives and uh, how that leads to new life. And hopefully not get too I'll, preachy. But if I get preachy, you know, that's what I do. So. Unless you're the Emperor and you're sitting in your Exegol clone, wait. Ready, waiting to get regenerated. Well, <laughs> or Palpatine's refusal to die. <laughs> <laughs> the old man won't die. There we go. So yeah, uh, just the theme of, about death in Star Wars, and um, yeah, it'll be. It probably it, it won't be. It won't be dour. It won't be, like I don't. I don't see this as a dour topic. I don't see it as inherently dark. It's not always the most fun, but I think meaningful and important to talk about. And so. Lent is always a great time to do so. Yeah, that's true. You know, that's that's another theme in Star Wars is is new life and eternal life and the good thing that is. So Lent is always a good time to talk about that, a good time to think about that. So 
we're going to dive right in. Uh, I haven't done one of those. I mean, my old podcast was kind of all about that. So be good to, to reach back into that. But yeah, so check that out right here, 5.30 p.m. Pacific, 8.30 p.m. Eastern next Monday night. It'll be family day in Ontario. That's a whole other thing. Um, <laughs> that's another story. I'll, get, I'll have the day off, so it'll be, I'll be nice and refreshed. And ready to go, go to your local GI council, last your GI mask, put your ash on your head. There that, we go, yes. Well. That's what I'll be doing on Wednesday. Um, and then, yeah, uh, <laughs> Monday night. So, yeah, check us out. Please come back. Of course, the flagship is going uh, one Thursday night, 9 p.m. Um, I don't quite know what they're talking about, but uh, you know, if you want to get your questions in, Discord's a good place to do that. Um, yeah, get your questions in, ask SWU, and uh, and they'll they'll get to them. I I try and think of a troll question every week. Uh, mm-hmm. See if it see if it gets in. They usually do. Uh, all fun and games. Uh, yeah, so check that out right here on this YouTube channel, etc. Everywhere else. So yeah, and then please do check out again. Check out the Ethan Sachs last plug, last two plugs. Check out the Ethan Sachs interview. Also on this page, uh, it was this past Wednesday. Chris and I, I think we did a pretty good job. Ethan, Ethan was great. That's oh, also um, on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. You got one got more one. plug to go? Yeah, since uh, since Brett has been in the comics and so nicely, I guess I could I can't say what I have to say. Check yep. out last week's Ion Cam Pod where he was my guest, and we talked about Tom Veitch's Tales of the Jedi. There was no there was which there was romance in that one too, but yeah. it wasn't yeah. part of the plot in the big way. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah, so definitely check out that. Check that out. All of our Iron Cannon episodes are on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. I believe Apple Podcasts still. So, give that a look again next week. Ash Wednesday, uh, Lent, Death, and New Life. Until then, Joel, let's blow this thing and head home. I've died before. <laughs>